a three, two, one uh, screw top on the cocktail. Go figure. That's weird. This, yeah, as the we're drinking from home, so the the choice of drinks becomes more diverse. Um, I'm having the best I can best describe it as the world's biggest Manhattan. So. <laughs> It's the Mr. Manhattan. Phil's level might be a little on the low side. I, I'm not hearing him quite as, as clear as I normally do. I just Am comment. I coming in low? I don't Maybe know. a little low. You sound pretty good here. I don't okay. know. Turn hey, up the ship, I'm man. not a sound engineer. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. Cool. Phil sounds pretty good to me. All right. Well, we're good with that. The uh, So, Daniel, again, your background. Uh, you got a... That's a Honda Magna 50 that I saw in Japan. Wow. Yeah, that, that is just, yeah, that's a, a get your, get your long hair out of the way so we can appreciate that thing for a second. <laughs> uh, so that is just crazy. I mean, we made fun of, uh, we made fun of Cameron for his uh, Virago 50 and it, the Virago 50 is a two cycle, but that's the lay down Honda motor. That's the typical 50 CC Honda cub motor stuffed into a fucking street rod cruiser frame. Am I correct in assuming that that is a factory built machine, that that's not a custom somebody? I mean, it looks factory as fuck. That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I'm certain that's real. That, yeah, yeah. That's going to require some off-site, off-site research there. Yeah, I, I think any one of us could real quickly throw up Honda 50 Magna. I'm going to go ahead and, and dive out into the internet for that one right now. And uh, that's just insane. Yeah, that's a real thing, guys. That, that's, that's as real as it gets. And, uh, I saw another one that's like a, it's a um, Suzuki scooter, and it's almost like a skateboard with handlebars. Wow. Let me throw, I'll throw that up there right now. Yeah, just bonkers. Uh, and it is just <laughs> one of those things that when you see it, it's very hard to appreciate how uh, fucking small it is. I'm going to dump you guys the screen real quick just so you can see it. Um, it is wild. Uh, wow. Coming through to you guys right now. <laughs> that's and awesome. So that's an American-sized human riding it. So that should give you an idea of the scale of said beast. Uh, yeah. It's very, very tiny. That guy's almost doing a wheelie just sitting on it. He is. Yeah, he's really pushing it. I mean, he's that to give you an idea, he's probably all of, you know, six two or something. But damn, that is a very, very, very tiny bike. Yeah, that, uh, so, that rear tire is way up there on the dude. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really, really a small machine. Uh so just kooky. Uh absolutely kooky. And it well, they have a model of it. They sure do. Oh Tamiya just probably has a model of everything. Uh but I love this is the hero shot right here. Uh there's just no getting around this particular picture. This is artistic use of scaling, uh, right? Because yeah. there's Put the guy way that. in the background, right? How <laughs> far away is that guy from the motorcycle? Is he in the same room, <laughs> <laughs> or is he four two, four foot two? Sky high. Yeah, that is a really good example. So, wow, what a crazy bike, Daniel! That's insane. So that's the Suzuki one behind you right now. Yep. Yeah, and that's gasoline kickstart clearly. 
I couldn't find a model on it anywhere. I mean, it's just, it's a little tiny, you know, lay down four stroke. It looks like as well. It's called the Suzuki hemorrhoid. (laughs) Maybe. it is. (laughs) That's right up there with a moto compo. It is. It is exactly in the same spirit. And I can see that it's parked next to a Suzuki van. Uh, Our friend JJ up in Ontario has got one of those Suzuki turbo vans. So, wow. Speaking of uh, driving vans, tell us a little bit about your adventure driving a uh, that sandbar back. So, yeah, I did. Uh, I decided that since we had two that came in at the same time in Baltimore, we had a, a Honda Acti, uh, which is just a, the pickup truck. You know, it's five speed pickup truck and the Honda Actis are all wheel drive all the time. It's that uh, Honda real uh, real time all wheel drive. And then the uh, Subaru, which is uh, a sandbar, not a sandbar like that, but a sandbar pickup truck. And it's the push button automatic. Or I'm sorry, push button four by four with the five speed transmission with the super low, the extra, extra low. So I got to the dock. I took Merritt with me. We took the, the giant Econoline and uh, rented a trailer out there. And the idea was best case scenario, I determine which one of the two vehicles is better at long distance high speed driving, put the other one on the trailer and um, head west on fucking 70 um which is over the appalachian mountains breezewood everything else um we have lost a car there we've we've attempted this in the past and lost a nissan pow as a result of overzealous gas pedal application and not you know sparing the horses so we did it and we decided that the subaru of the two cars the subaru the tires were better on the subaru and it just felt like it was more together and so i drove the subaru merit drove the econ line with the trailer with the honda acti on the trailer and we pointed west and we started at like 57 miles per hour and eventually we coasted we coaxed it up to about 65 miles per hour and merit was all too happy to keep chugging along uh and she was my safety so she was behind me and uh looking in the rearview mirror seeing the giant van behind me was extraordinarily uh, reassuring because on the way out there we were holding 90 to 95 miles per hour um those big e350s it's not a 15 passenger their speed restricted to about 85 miles an hour it's a 12 passenger so it can go faster but we were in the 95 ish range and people were still passing us so covid is like open season on speeding and setting cannonball run records and and whatever the fuck you want to do clearly it's game on we did see a few cops but they did not appear to be interested in stopping anybody interesting hey i will say on tuesday i encountered my first wrong way driver on a highway what oh man holy shit where what time was it it's about 10 o'clock in the morning Jeez. <laughs> yeah and, was it here uh, on this side of town on the west side i was coming across the 480 bridge westbound yeah to enter 77 northbound yeah and there's <clears throat> two lanes that exit off of 480 and one eventually goes south on 77 absolutely yeah. and one goes north on 77 <clears throat> and uh, i'm in the the right lane and there's a semi next to me we're both going around and in the left berm of the southbound 
entryway yeah. is a car with his headlights on facing us. Holy shit. So I'm looking at this and going, Jesus Christ, what's this? So this guy pulls across the left lane where the semi is into my lane. So he does a friggin' U-turn into oncoming traffic. And this semi lays on its brakes and he's kind of bouncing along. I mean, and this guy's maybe, yeah, yeah. And this, this guy's maybe 150 yards ahead of us. And, and I'm slamming on my brakes and veering off to the right because I got my eyes in the rear view mirror to make sure nobody's going to crush me from behind. Right. So this guy pulls all the way across into the berm and then back up in front of me and then gets himself over into the the center lane going on to 77 north so that's that's half the story and i i will say this i did not have an extra pair of shorts to change into at that point but uh we get up onto 77 north and this guy's in my lane then he he drifts over to the center and then in into the left and almost bangs off the median uh berm that uh that that wall and so i still got the semi next to me so i figured you know he's gonna block for me so i kind of take off and we get eventually north of harvard and I'm ahead of this guy probably by 100 yards. This guy has gone back and forth across all three lanes of traffic at least three times. And he puts his brakes on when he's in the center lane. He's got a cement truck behind him. He puts his brakes on and comes to a stop in the, mid, in the middle lane of 480 northbound. And you can hear this um, cement truck laying on his air horn. And this guy does a great job of swerving left to get around this guy without crushing him to the living death. And I had called 911 and uh, the operator says, what's, you know, what city? And I said, hey, I'm coming off of 487077 North. She says, oh, you call about the, the wrong way driver? I said, yeah. She said, oh, we already got that one. <laughs> so, okay. Bye. <laughs> So, honest to God, I, I had never seen a wrong way driver on a highway before. And that was, as I said, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of early to be tuned up, you know. Maybe yeah, that well, was like a, a low sugar kind of thing or maybe just a fucking death wish. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he was he was leaned way over to, on against the door. He had his do-rag on and, you know. Could have been I, having a stroke or something. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. Sounds like but, he was super, super doped up. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, he, did, he didn't care and he was going all over the place, but – and then to stop dead cold in the yeah. middle of 77 north, like Jesus Christ. And so anyhow, that's the end of the story. Yeah, that's, that's you get a little tail there. Get a little tail right here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Phil, do you know what the verge of motorcycling is? What is the verge of motorcycling? Wow, I'm really happy you asked. <laughs> Look at this bad boy. The Hubless. 
Electric roadster. Look at the shoot a cat through that. Look, there's there's a giant hole in the back of his motorcycle. Look at the specs they got showing here. Okay. I've not. It's uh. Excuse me. Let me put on the spectaculars. Um, it looks like it costs twenty five thousand euros. So, about so that's, that's a, a lot of money. Yep. Um, and it says it has 1,000 Newton meters of torques and 80 kilowattages mm-hmm. uh, with a range of 200, uh, 200 kilometers in the 200 miles in the city and about 120 miles on the highway. Right. And, so, and it's uh, zero to 60 in under four seconds. Well, no shit if you've got 1,000 Newton meters of torque. Um, the integrated rim job motor is really something that's insane uh let's keep going it's, it's limited to 120 miles per hour all right look at this yeah, yeah okay all right 100 percent charge in four hours and dc charging 40 to 50 minutes yeah so that's that tells me that they're in that uh 12 to you know 12 to 24 kilowatt range all right Wow, man. And that's got the height adjustable suspension. It looks like it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it sure does. Because it looks like the second one, it's dragging its ass on the ground like a dog with worms. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then this guy is cool because he's, he's, that's the CEO guy. Look at him. Oh, okay. Timu Koyo. Yeah. Cool. That thing looks, you know what? Hey, um, more power to them. Uh, They're popping up like daisies, though. Yeah, they are. They really are. Spring and electric motorcycles are like, boop. Like, here we go. Another one. Even Kawasaki trotted out a picture of their um, on Psycho World because Psycho World doesn't have any real news to publish. So they're just (laughs) running old stories again. And so Psycho World published uh, a story about Kawasaki's electric bike, which I believe might be a 10 year old story. But the specs on it were like, like, wow, it goes 80 miles per hour. And, uh, and stuff like that. But it's, it was funny when I was kind of browsing around looking for motorcycle news over the past weeks, how very little motorcycle news there is right now. It's yeah. You go to the events, you know, like every magazine has like events page and everything. And it's just blank. It's blank. blank. <laughs> it's blank. And, um, here's, here's another one for you guys. I thought you guys might appre- appreciate this one. Uh, the where is it now oh it's the it's official the aim expo so the aim expo has been uh, relocated to january so uh yeah so that's tough because it's going to be a real pain in the dick to ride all these demo bikes in 18 inches of snow well also isn't that the exact weekend that usually the ims show is it is either the exact weekend or the weekend before the ims show right the ims show is traditionally the last weekend of january and this may be the weekend before the last weekend of january in which case it's one of those like well since everybody's in ohio already yeah. you know um so the end of uh the end of january may in fact be insane um if this holds you know if this situation holds we don't know that it will but again we're just bringing you the news um letting you know that the aim expo is scheduled for the second to last or last weekend in january so absolutely insane that's that's news so let me ask you let me ask you something as a dealership owner right when you see all these electric bikes coming out and you know 
how hard it is to get dealership representation. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice to people seeing all these cool new electric bikes coming out with all these claimed ranges and stuff like that? Like how is it important? How important is it to have a dealership network compared to just being like, well, this is a cool new thing. Um, there's that, there's a YouTuber guy and he's in Pennsylvania and he like, he bought the Chinese dirt bike and jumped it into the water. Oh, the beard and beard and guy thing or S and K beard and Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Beards and Jesus. So the beards and Jesus guy, he, uh, his local dealership gave him a, a Harley to ride uh, a Harley live wire. And so he got a Harley live wire to take around for a few days and shoot a video. And he went out and rode the bike and that's all fine. And when he was talking about, he's like, well, you know, there's the Harley and then there's the zero. And he mentioned, uh, what's the other one? The, the Damon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he mentioned the Damon, which as far as I'm concerned, that's still vaporware. I, if I can't sit on one, it doesn't fucking exist. The, right. uh, but then he mentioned, he mentioned the Damon, but then he basically said, oh, well, zero, they might exist, but I don't have a dealer near me, so it doesn't fucking matter. Hmm. And so that we have to keep in mind, that's the mindset for a lot of people is if there's no dealer within 50 miles of wherever I am in Pennsylvania, it's off my fucking radar. I'm not even going to talk about it. You've got the other end where you just brought up a beautiful looking bike. That's very interesting, but it, it, at this point is absolutely vaporware. Right. And we've got, you know, a zero that you can go buy tons of them at many, many shops all over America. We've got a Harley Davidson that your Harley Davidson dealer should be able to get you a live wire. Energica is having problems getting bikes in the hands of people who want to spend the money to own them. And I have ridden them, but I have yet to become a dealer. I've yet to receive any inventory, but believe me, they're taking orders. Um, And I've ridden them. So they're real. And then we have lightning, which is right now extremely confusing to follow that and to know whether or not that's real uh, or, or is it a scam? Like, is it charlatanism at this point? So really there's not a lot out there that's real that you can touch, that you can actually go out and buy. There's a hell of a lot of talk and there's a lot of uh, prognostication, but there's not a lot of product. I'd say right now, zero and Harley, and then yes, you can make an order for an Energica. I think the supply problems are probably COVID related. But you know what's interesting? So, like, besides the electric bikes, just the general bikes of all these new companies coming out are fucking up the aftermarket departments. So I bought I bought that TNT 135, right? Yeah. And so I've been doing things. I've been making it my own all week and stuff like that. And I, I saw some flaws, and I did some things to fix it. Not, not flaws, because the thing is amazing. I'm not done. Like, you call it flaws. I'd like to know about it. Yeah. Well, no, the only uh, the, the flaws. Well, in, all, in all fairness, I just like to say this: I've seen every one of your bikes, Steve, has not has always been upgraded significantly. You know, you that's what you do. You take a bike, and then you want to go through it. You want to, you know, like on your Grim, you replaced axles. You did that, right. and you know the 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 Husqvarna or not Husqvarna, uh, Hasseberg. You so is that a what did you get up? Who's a Husqvarna? Yeah. Husqvarna. Okay, yeah, you. I mean, you bark busters, this chargers. I mean, like you like to do them gas tanks, right? I try. I try to make it tasteful, whatever. But so on this bike, the, honestly though, there's not like that bike is so quality. There's not a lot you need to do 
at all. It's just comfort things. And one of them is the seat. And Phil, you made that comment originally that the stupid hump in the back is terrible. Like for an American to sit on it, you're basically half sitting on the pillion, right? So I found, I found a used seat in Amsterdam. And so anybody that complains about U.S. shipping needs to complain about U.S. shipping. I ordered a used seat from a bike breaker in Amsterdam on Sunday, and it arrived on Wednesday, and it cost me $11 shipping. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. For a seat-sized object? Well, a pillion seat. So it was like, you know. a little, yeah, okay, all right. A pillion seat, right? But, like, you know, nobody in America has these bikes yet, really, except for you and a few other people, whatever. So there's not a lot of used parts. So I found... They had the 125, which is the same bike, same different bike. motor. All the parts fit, so they, the bike breaker had it. The seat cost me 20 bucks and was $11 shipping. I got it in three days from Amsterdam. So Good question. On the bright side, there was a Kia Coke stuffed in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was that. I had, to, I had to deliver the Coke, but besides that. But, but no, but, so I, was, I, I did my best to shape it. And here, hold on, I'll, I'll even show you guys. I think it looks beautiful. But anyways, so uh, before I show you that, anyways, so I started like going around and I started like emailing some of the companies that I used to use for my bikes, like Seat Comfort or, or uh, Seat Concepts and things like that. And I said, hey, do you have a seat for this? Like, We've never heard of this bike. Right. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing right now. There's a lot of companies coming out with pretty decent quality bikes. Like that Benelli changed, like my opinion of that bike. Like when, like so, I had it, and then once you get into it, like I finally got under the skirt. I got a few fingers in it, and I started figuring things out. That whole bike, every bolt is stainless steel. Every yeah. bolt has been paint marked by some guy that manufactured it. That said, I torqued it to spec and I paint marked it. Like it is, it is such a level compared to like a Grom or anything else that you've seen in a long. I, I can't. Believe, now I want to sell my Super Ten Rain. I want to see if you can get a five hundred two the the adventure bike that they make because I'm yeah. so. And so it's crazy. I mean, it's really a quality bike, man. But at that point, so muffler companies, nobody knows about it. Sea companies, nobody knows about it. Like all these different places that like, you know, they the Groms have 10,000 options for it. nobody makes stuff for it yet. Cause they don't really know about the bike. Yeah. That's true. And, and that's when you get this rapid expansion and there's so many new models, there's so many new stuff, out, things out there. It's really, really tough to find out. And, you know, we do tons of aftermarket stuff at our shop and people call us all the time and they're like, Hey, did you hear about this, this thing? And I'm like, oh, fuck no, I didn't hear about that thing. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not on the micro, micro, micro subreddit. Right. So I don't know what's going on with everybody's, you know, oh, the little tiny farkle that's made by, you know, ABCD Industries. He prints it out on a laser printer and then, you know, and then and builds them by hand. And they're artisanally grown in the back out of like aluminum that he planted in the earth. It's crazy the amount of the aftermarket that exists for most motorcycles. So it's a, it's a really good time to have access to that. The fact that you got something from Amsterdam in four or five fucking days. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and on top of that, well, hold on, never mind. No, if I can get this, but like, it really made a difference. Like, I can't even begin to describe how much of a difference it made um, with the seat. Like, you know, our, our the whole complaint was the fact that, like, you know, that bubble seat thing was just punching us in the butt, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right where I wanted to put my actual butthole was the exact point where they had decided to put the beginning of the passenger pad. Right. And right. so what I did is I got this. So, hold on, let me back it up here. Uh, yeah, so I got the passenger seat here. You can see yeah. <laughs> 
Jesus <laughs> Christ, you look like a fucking polar bear. <laughs> I took this Dremel. I, I marked it out. I started whacking away at the Dremel. Right. And then that got it. So I put it here with the seat. And sure. Like, so this, this used to come up here like a big hump. Yes, it did. Yeah. And that just sat right in your asshole. And it was right. fucking annoying. But at the end of the day, that's what it turned out. So I took yeah, that. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it turned out pretty fucking good. Yeah. So here's the thing. I sent all these pictures to see concept, and they were like, holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Give me a couple months, and we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all right. But anyway. Well, get, give me a couple of months. I'm going to do exactly what you did and charge you 235 for it. Right. Right. Yeah. But I can't, I can't tell you how much different that bike is with that little bit of foam missing. Yeah. And, like, oh, yeah. and, and honestly, that's the only thing it was missing. Like the rest yeah. of it was just taste mods. Like, you know, like the, I did a stainless steel pipe, which made the thing <laughs> interesting to say the least. I wonder if this <laughs> let, me, let me see if this works. I don't know if you heard this or not, Phil. But I heard it. And you know, microphones on cameras and stuff always do a terrible job of representing the way microphones actually sound. Let's see like if the way bikes actually sound. Let's see. Wait, ready? Oh. <laughs> hey, ready? Right? It's a nice pipe, man. But it's it's a little nasty. That sounds awesome. Hey, <laughs> on. Everybody has to go quiet. Anyways, but you guys yeah. like it sounds so quiet and sleepy. It's remarkable. It's kind of a head fucking silent. It's kind yeah. of a hooligan bike. Like it needs a bit of a muffler. Just, just like that much of a muffler. <laughs> that much of a muffler. <laughs> but you were absolutely right. I grounded yeah. out the ECU as per your suggestion. Mm-hmm. So I did it. I left it for like an hour. I just grounded that fucker yeah. out. Left Fine. it for an hour. Came back. Rode it. And within like within four miles, I could feel it learning the pipe. Right, it does. Yeah, yeah it was pretty interesting, man. Yeah, definitely, these these ECUs. It's 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 getting to be harder to find an ECU that doesn't have some sort of an adaptive parameters or uh, design. In. Oh yeah, there seems to be an echo. Who is echo? Did you hear that? Somebody's got a very fierce echo. Yeah, it's coming back. Is it me? No, I think it's, um, is it me? I think it's the half. Me. I'm going to mute myself. All right. John's muted. Testing one, two. Uh, might've been John. I think it might've been John. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. But anyways, there was a little bit of latency, maybe. Yeah. Maybe a little latency, but anyways. Yeah. I mean, like I just, I, I I'm so impressed with that bike. What are the, what, what can you get in stock Benelli at your shop right now? <laughs> Bad news guys. Uh, this will go into the, uh, this will go into the where, you know, Hey, how are things going at the shop? Um, well, they're going well. Uh, there, apparently there is a mass hysteria happening in the United States and that, um, at least 50% of the, the population is convinced that, uh, whether it's, uh, their bars and restaurants are closed. So they have a lot of disposable income or it's because they got their Trump check and they got to spend it or what the fuck? I don't know, but we are selling bikes 
insane. I mean, uh, not, not expensive bikes. We're selling, like we said about, you know, they're the half price bikes, um, the lower price stuff. We're selling shit like crazy. It's insane. We had an eight bike day the other day. Um, that hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, we followed up our eight bike day with a five bike day. And then we followed up our five bike day with a four bike day. Uh, it's been just really, really good. Our friend uh, up in Minneapolis, he sold 31 bikes in five days or 31 bikes in six days. Now, granted, a lot of those are 49 cc's. So, you know, they're, they live in a state where you can drive that without a license or insurance or uh, common sense or whatever. Uh, but yeah. Hey, so, how much do you make selling a 49 cc versus a thousand cc? Probably just about as much. It depends on the bike. It really does. And it's what I can tell you is I've been in situations where it's taken me every bit as long to sell a 49 cc as it takes me to sell a 1200 cc bike. And that just is based on the buyer. But what has changed? One, uh, it's very fucking obvious that you're not going to get into these stores unless you've got a mask on. So um, if you're the guy who's just participating in an internet forum and you get some really strong beliefs about how the mask is uh, turning you into a sheep, that's fine. But there are many places like Costco and like the Lakewood Recycling Center and like Cleveland Moto where your ass ain't coming in if you don't have a mask. And I will wait while you go out in the car, take your underwear off and time around your face. That will do. Okay. Just keep your spitty shit with you and off of me and my friends, you know, and we'll all be cool with that. We've only had one or two persons kind of be a dick about it. Honestly, we didn't lose anything that, and I love how the one woman who decided to be a super see you next Tuesday to Renee ended up closing her conversation by saying, I'm going to the Harley Davidson dealer. I'm going to buy a scooter there where they respect America. And I went, you fucking go. You just, you have a great time with that. Um, and I'm sure they're going to love you there. So, uh, and when they get you on that, what's that? Buying a topper. Uh, Yeah. She's going to buy a 1957 topper. Um, I'm pretty sure she's going to buy the, uh, the new Sportster 883 scooper scooter. Yeah. I'll set her up. I'll set her up with that, but, uh, it's been fucking crazy, but maybe you just need to have like a bullpen. If you come in with no mask, here you go. Here's your little plexiglass area where you can stand and just look at the shop. You know, if you sneeze, there's a little drop. There's a little pipe you could sneeze into with a vacuum cleaner hooked to it. We're just gonna <laughs> drop a 55 gallon plexiglass cylinder mm-hmm. around you and mm-hmm. force you to carry it around the shop. An old, old scuba mask, <laughs> old giant metal fucking scuba mask. There you go. That's it. That's, that's that it. 70 pound fucker and walk through the shop. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been fine. I mean, guys, it has been. Here absolute. you go. Here's your mask. You're gonna have one of these. Right. Put yeah, this on. <laughs> yeah, perfect. The uh, it's been it's been it's been fine. So for the most part, it's worked great. Um, we've gone through a whole lot of hand sanitizer. I'm okay with that. Totally great. Uh, no, I, want no, no, no I bought these things. Okay, so it's a, a hat. Yeah, yeah. It's open on the top. Yeah, yeah. You just go like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's vent inside. I mean, it's like uh, it's fleece, and it's uh, so it doesn't. 
but it, it's a pretty comfortable thing compared to most of those masks that I've seen. So, yeah, I, I really think everybody's just really paranoid about getting like George Bush ears. Uh, so uh, change your style, change the mask style you you're wearing because masks aren't that bad. Um, and haven't we all just been waiting for this? Uh, haven't we just been waiting for the uh, ability to wander around in public with complete anonymity? You don't Super have to easy s- to rob a bank these days. Dude, you don't have to smile at people anymore. You don't have to be cordial. You don't have, if you're antisocial or just a little awkward around people, this is fucking great. You get a mask on, you get, you know, get your eye protection or get a hat on. You're just, you're just not even there, man. You don't have to interact. All uh, those butterface girls are looking good right now. <laughs> and, and you know what? Makeup, makeup takes like no time at all. <laughs> Yeah. Do the Alice multipass and just go. Yeah. All the Muslim ladies are like, see, it's not That's that right. bad. We've been doing this for years. Burkas are going to be all the rage. Yeah. I was, it took everything I had not to say something. There was a woman <laughs> in a, wearing a burqa yeah. with a full veil and everything. And I wanted, I just wanted to be like, well, you got this licked. You, know, you, want. <laughs> you will, you, you're ready. <laughs> Way ahead of the curve. <laughs> the uh, so about the TNTs, I put an order because I'm sleepy nose. Um, we sold out our existing inventory. We only had two TNT 135s and we had three rascals. And they're funny the way SSR makes you order bikes. Like you have to order what fits in a cube. Um, not a cube, like a, a shipping container cube, but like literally what fits in a pallet. So you can only order the TNT 135s, two each, and the Rascals ordered three each and multiples thereof. And if you want the 110s, you got to order five of those. So it's a very weird ordering system that we're not used to. So the other day I ordered four TNT 135s. Um, the other day we got a additional green 135, an additional white 135, and sold them both in the next day. So within 48 hours. Um, it's uh, springtime, apparently, and people are buying bikes again. God love them. And the bike is fucking good, man. Besides, like, you know, I, I put 200 with, with Steve and Chris and Nick. I put 225 miles, 220 miles on it in one day, doing the alternating, nice breaking it in. Yeah. But then I realized it was my birthday. It was 5 p.m. and I haven't been home yet because I've been riding all day. So I hit 480 and did 80 all the way home. Or yeah. seven, And it, it it's broken in now. So... <laughs> <laughs> so so we know that so at, at this point just ride it right yeah, well, yeah i don't you think know, have any problems you know that. we've been talking about there just needs to be more beginner bikes out there and i don't know if something like a honda monkey or something really qualifies as a beginner bike right but when you get into something like that tnt and it'll it has some highway capability and stuff yeah, that's just about the right size to qualify it as an excellent first bike or a beginner bike it, it really is. And that's that. I don't know if you guys remember, there was a motorcycle sold up until the early 80s called the Honda CB125. 
S. And uh, the Honda CD125S was this motorcycle. It was not a YSR. It wasn't a diminutive bike. It wasn't half scale. All the parts of it were motorcycle sized. They were just small. 18 inch wheels, et cetera. Right. It it was a standard motorcycle. And Honda built them for quite a while. And uh, my brother got one. It was his very first motorcycle when he was still on his temporary. So he was under 16 years old. And he had his motorcycle license before he had his car license because of that Honda CD125. We called it the pea shooter. And when we would do rides, he would be on the freeway with us on a 125. Now, he's not passing anybody, but he was holding his own at 60 or 70 miles an hour. We'd uncorked it. We'd remedied all the EPA restrictions on the carburetor. And my brother's a small guy. So, yeah, he could rip right along with us. And that is the definition of a beginner's bike. So there aren't too many companies that do. Like the TU250 is probably one of my absolute favorite beginner's bikes of all times but the uh but yeah there's like the gp remember the old gpz 305s this uh kawasaki's those things were fantastic so just it's nice to see that we have that um we had yeah, a, legit, a legitimate beginner bike can't be left in the dust right. when he goes and rides with other more experienced riders who have real bikes you yeah, still exactly. have to be able to keep up i mean that's very important we had a customer in the shop the other day and she had a, uh, a Ducati M 600 monster as her first bike. But the way she was built, she was like her, her proportions weren't like, she didn't have long legs. Right. And so I asked her, I said, well, how did it go with the Ducati M 600? Cause it had been like 15 years since she'd given up on trying to ride it. She just couldn't ride it. And she really wanted to own it. She really loved it, but she couldn't ride it. And she came into the shop and she saw the TNT 135 and she freaked out because it has that Ducati overtone. It's got frame. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to say it. It looks like a fucking monster 135. Uh, sue me Ducati. You but, know? but here's the thing compared to all the other like little mini bikes. And I've had a couple and I've seen the rest and I've ridden groms and stuff. The quality is fucking stupid. That trellis frame is not for show. That's no. a real trellis frame. It's fun. Welded well, and it's painted, and and even everything that's mounted, a lot of the plastic to things, and even the muffler and everything are rubber mounted. Like they're rubber grommets with things, and like that is it's no joke. Like I have a feeling, and if you can confirm this or not, it'd be great. I have a feeling that yes, it's Italian design and made in China, Mm -hmm. but I have a feeling that uh, that BMW makes their 310 GS in the same fucking factory that the Benellis come from because the quality is unbelievable. Yeah, the quality is exceptional and it really is. I mean, and that's, um, I believe that stuff CJ don't quote me, but I think it's CJ, which we know CJ has a long history of the Chang Jangs and everything else. So they've, uh, they're, they've been around for a long time. They've got a ton of experience doing motorcycles. So that's great. And some of the things that guys aren't talking about. So the Grom has a 31 millimeter fork, right? Benelli has a 41 millimeter fork. Oh yeah. It's 10 millimeters bigger and fatter. And, and like, it, I'm 235 pounds right. and the suspension works with me. Right. Like you'd have to loosen it up as a, a lighter person. Like, I mean, it's like a, it's a really nicely sprung bike. 
Yeah, I, I, I love it. I think that it's amazing quality. And it's just when you kind of start comparing it to the other stuff, like the Rascal, I mean, I hate to do that because it's SSR versus SSR, I guess, but it's so much better than the Rascal. And in a lot of ways, it is way better than the Grom, too. So, you know, it's way better than the bike that's 600 less than it, and it's way better than the bike that's 600 more than it. So it's really, it does shine. Uh, I give it, I give the thing a lot of credit. I do, I do like the bike a lot. Um, well, two snaps and a twist. <laughs> What's that? Two, two snaps and a twist. Yeah. 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 So uh, let me see. Here we go. I've got a, uh, I got one of our podcast listeners sent us a really, really good, uh, really good email. I want to, I want to find it for us because it has got, kind of everything that we look for in a uh, podcast questions from our Patreon subscribers. Uh, and it, oh, by the way, it's uh, Remedy? What's that? Remedy? Yeah, we have uh, we, we, we might actually be able to solve a real problem here. Yeah, a real problem for a real person. And, and that would be pretty cool. The, Everybody uh, roll up your sleeves. We're going to put our, our thinking caps together here. Well, and you know what? This is, this is one of those things that I, that I believe that we may have covered in a previous episode, but if it is, we haven't covered it in a really fucking long time uh, because it's about one of our favorite bikes in the world, the Honda CB350. So, uh, which, as we all know, like them or hate them they're here to stay i have a question about one too okay so, cool. i mean after you we can go through that but i have a question about the um the centrifugal advance oh okay all right all right so that's a that's a really good that's a really good question because that, are, we, are we talking twins or fours twins is, well i mean this is a four but um yeah. Yeah. But I have the part two. I'll bring it in and I'll show you what what the problem is and see if it affects the performance of it or not. So, so you guys may remember meeting Matt Davidson. He's from Iowa, and on one of my many cross country trips, I happened to have bikes in the back of the the truck, and uh, we were stopping in for food along the way, and uh, we we went to this Okaboji Oka Grill thing in Newton, Iowa, and this guy comes up and he goes, "Holy shit!" Whose Honda CB 400 F Super Sport is that? And I went, mine. And, and he's like, oh, man, I'm building a cafe racer. And we started a conversation. He became a podcast listener that day. And so this is a, a pretty good one uh, because it's going to be fucking weird. Uh, so he's got two Honda CB 350s. And this is an interesting point because when you have two of anything, you can compare bike A to bike B. And it's kind of like having a three-dimensional owner's manual that you can kind of go left bike to right back. Okay. And these two bikes are set up exactly the same way, but he's having problems. Okay. So he's got a, um, he's got a Honda CB and he's basically trying to make this thing into uh, a cafe. He's, he's basically having a problem with a CB 350 that's running on one cylinder. And he says, uh, working through a number through number of bikes right now. Cause remember, this is the guy that started out with no bikes and he ended up with like five bikes, like CB 550, CB 350. And apparently he's got a pair of CB 350s. So 
Here we go. CB 350 twins. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I got a CB 350 that's running on one cylinder most of the time, but the second cylinder will kick in sporadically. All stock components with the exception of pipes. All the stock components with the exception of the pipes are present. The same bike is having an issue kicking over. It feels a lot more difficult to kick and it appears the clutch is not engaging correctly. Is it time for a new clutch plate kit? Okay. So that's a question there. And he says, uh, he's asking questions about electronic ignitions and are they are worth it? He's got a CB750 Super Sport as well. And the uh, when he's... Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, he clarifies, he said, I did want to clarify in my first question about the 350 that I do have another 350 that is set up completely identical with the exception of the pipes that is not showing any of these symptoms. The cutting out issue on one cylinder is baffling me and it's been an ongoing thing for about a year. The issue with the bike not wanting to start or kick over easily has become more of an issue since the one cylinder has not been wanting to fire. No shit. And I have a feeling that these two are likely related. Yes, they probably are. Hope all of you gentlemen are staying safe, staying sane, and we'll look forward to sending a bottle of Cedar Ridge, Iowa bourbon your way once you guys are able to get together. Wow. Holy shit. Um, good stuff. He says, I appreciate you guys doing the podcast through all this shit. Tell that fucker that he's only been through. Tell that fucker that's only been through every episode twice. Those are rookie numbers. I'm not even going to take a guess at how many times I've been through each episode. But he said we uh, he plays us every single day. So here's what I'm thinking about uh, when I when I have CB 350 problems. There's one culprit that always bites me in the ass. And that's on the left-hand side of the motor at the very top. There's going to be a chrome cover. And the chrome cover, if you pull it off, behind the chrome cover, you're going to see your points if you're still running points. And if you're still running points on that chrome cover, I have seen a number of times where the points will short out to the actual metal cover. And it's just because it's like the shortest distance between two points or for the electricity to move. And I've had many times where you pull that cover off, you pull the points cover off and the bike runs fucking fantastic. And then you're great. You're thrilled. The bike's running great. And you put the points cover back on because it's the last thing you're going to do before you button the bike up. And now the bike starts running like shit intermittently. And when I've seen that, it's because there's literally just arcing going between the mechanical points themselves to the points cover and that's one of those things uh, john's showing us now on his camera he's got a picture of the points cover there and what i've done in the past is i've actually taken those points covers off and either put uh, e-tape behind it right to insulate it and problem goes away and it starts firing on both cylinders again that's something i've noticed with the cb the twins so whether it's a 350 or a 450 um i've noticed that problem anybody else got any ideas about why he's won the bike's a bitch to start feels like it's kicking hard and also does not seem to have a consistent or most of the time isn't running on two cylinders you're muted steve go ahead, go ahead. can you hear me Okay, yeah. Uh, on my uh, CB175, I had a bad uh, the, the uh, coil wire for the uh, 
from the points to the ignition cable or to the coil was corroded right as it entered the coil and you couldn't see i mean you could barely see it but it was getting a um a spark intermittently it was hard to start and it would just fire but then when it would warm up it would run better once it got warm it would catch and then it would expand and then finally it totally failed and then it wouldn't run so uh i soldered i took it apart i soldered it all back together and then it it's been running flawlessly since then but that I, was, was, I was gonna say uh on any bike this old you're gonna want to check out your connections and make sure that the the connections going to the coils actually are making con on the hondas it'll be a black and white wire um yeah, but also, I've, I've even seen where like the spade connector, the female spade connector, is on the coil, but it's yep. loose and it's just kind of dancing around. And like another, and another diagnostic tool you can use is get get a jumper with two alligator clips, and then try to jump right from the points right to the coil and stuff. Like try to cut out like what could be a problem and see if that makes any difference. You know. That's like a really a good idea. Or, like just using, just hot wire it. Don't run it through the, the the key switch or anything like that. Just have a set of jumper cables where you're just going right hot from the battery to the cable, to the coil, and from the coil to the points, and then see if that eliminates the problem. Because yeah. that's you have, fa- you have a failing condenser too. Okay. That's true. If the points are, are arcing a whole lot, then it could be the condenser. Fuck those condensers. Just fuck those condensers in the face. Um, condenser has been the bane of my goddamn existence. Condensers suck. They suck terribly. There's no way to tell that they're good or they're bad. I've had, I've taken them out of bikes. One wire, two wire, three wire. Don't give a fuck. Condensers are bullshit. Uh, they will quit and they'll stop working and then I'll test them with a meter and they'll appear to be fine. I'll put them in the bike again and they won't fucking work. Uh, condensers have always been a giant pain in the dick. Uh, you should only buy them in packs of five. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. It, it's funny because all a condenser is is a capacitor. Yes. And in, in all of the, like, the vintage audio with receivers and amplifiers and stuff and, and any electronics thing, the thing that always goes bad is, is the capacitors. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I I would rather have a piece in the top, right? What's that? Was it? They get puffy on the top when they start going. Yep. Away. yep. The I thing with condensers, ha- though, is there's no way that you can look at it and tell that it's bad, unlike like the big electrolytic capacitors. Mm-hmm. Well, think about recording studios. Like you have a, a one or eight hundred thousand dollar SSL recording board that's old and it's analog, and the thing that you have to spend a hundred grand on every few years is replacing all the capacitors to make it sound as good as it is. They just they have a lifespan, and that's it. Man. The you make um, one out of a mason jar and a piece of tin foil. Yep. Yeah, and so and you can make one that, out of, that of is, fucking cheese. <laughs> yeah. So that's talking about if it's an electrical problem, right? But it could also I've also seen where like if one of the carbs, like if the float isn't adjusted right and it's running a little bit too rich, yeah, like where it'll it won't want to start on that one cylinder, but sometimes it'll wake up after a lot of RPMs 
or particularly like if you pull the spark while it's running and this ain't fun to do but pull the spark plug cap off maybe with a big heavy glove on or something and then put it back on a couple times and sometimes that'll actually wake up that cylinder it'll like for whatever reason it's it's just i saw a guy do it once and i was like holy fuck that worked I but you there. can sometimes pull the spark plug off and put it back on or let it just dangle on there and it'll wake up that cylinder it's kind of right. i don't know so you're wet you have to make sure you're wet and you have to make sure that your other hand is like well grounded <laughs> And do it. That's the only way you do it. So, okay. <laughs> I I think that I was there when John saw it happen. I I believe that I was there for that experience because when I saw it, this old man grab like reached down and grabbed the fucking spark plug lead while the motor was running and it was running on one. So it was a CB350, and the bike was running on one cylinder. It's a very common thing with the CB350s, and it usually is the right cylinder for whatever reason. Yeah. Dude reached down, grabbed the spark plug boot, pulled it off, and then just let it dangle barely on. And all of a sudden, we had two-cylinder bike. So we went from having a one-cylinder bike to a two-cylinder bike by fucking with the connection that the spark plug boot would normally be making. So like we had too good of a connection and therefore wasn't working right. Um, fuck me running. I have no idea why it worked that way, but it did. And I saw it with my own goddamn eyes. John and I have tried it several times on bikes at the shop when we're working on stuff. And yeah, you gotta, you gotta reach down and grab your balls with one hand and grab the spark plug boot with the other because you might get shocked and it's okay if you get shocked, you'll go numb to about here for about five minutes and it'll be fine. But you got the stranger then, so. Hold on to that. a friend. Yeah. Or an enemy. Yeah. Shake hands with somebody and then pull it off and you won't get it, but he will. Yeah. Another problem I've seen, but it's not uh, applicable to that bike, is that some of the caps have a resistor in them. Yes, they do. And that can go bad. And if that fails, then you're going to get all these weird problems and you're not going to even know why you're having them because you could go through everything. And if that little resistor has gone, then you're, you're just not firing uh, consistently on that one cylinder. And that's good diagnostic. So my, my diagnostic tips are always one, pull the cap off. If it's not a molded on cap, if it's not, if it's the original OEM shit, a lot of them just twist off too. Some of them will unscrew. Yeah. yeah. Just twist it off, twist it off and then hold that wire with the exposed lead right to the tip of the spark plug, you'll see it arcing. Then you won't have any question of whether or not you're getting spark. Okay. Right. Cause you can't see up inside the cap. Isn't that the fax thing? So FACS, you have to have fuel, fuel, air, air. Yep. Compression, uh, spark. compression and spark. Right. Exactly. That's what you have to do before you even fucking do anything else. Absolutely. So I do, I do recommend that. And so getting rid of the spark plug boot is a real good way to diagnose a problem with the spark plug boot or spark plug cap for better terminology. And then the other thing that I've done is I've in bikes that have two coils, I will swap the coils. Mm -hmm. so, That's a good point. Yep. Yep. And that, that sometimes will solve your problem right there, simply swapping the coil over. So swapping right. if, the, if the problem follows the coil, then you know that's the problem. Exactly. Am I correct? I, I mean, just going, I, I can look at the bike over here, but I think a CB350 has two separate coils. It's not a, it's right. not a dual coil, it's a right? It's a dual coil bike. Right. Yeah, yeah. Two coils on a CB350. So what I would, I guess I would recommend is uh, one, swap your coils. 
uh, to see if things change. If your other cylinder becomes a piece of shit, then you know you got the problem. Uh, I, I originally, I thought the same thing that it was probably going to be t- towards the coils. The only thing that was throwing me off is, is him saying that it was harder to kick it over like a compression. Matt, you're right. Well, yeah, I don't know what that's that about. Doesn't line up. That's not a, that sounded a little bit like he was kicking through the clutch or something, which might be entirely different. You know, that might just be, might be multiple clutch issues, needs adjusted or, or he's, he has a slipping clutch. Right. And I had I had a guy almost ready to give me a CB450 that was completely rebuilt. It was a beautiful bike, but I'm too honest of a fucking guy. And he's like, yeah, it, you know, I kick it and it won't turn over and everything. And I'm like, yeah, it's just completely kicking through the clutch. I knew within a second what was wrong. So I'm like, here, give, give me a wrench. And I, I did a quick little adjustment on the clutch and it worked. And he's like, oh, my God. Well, I'm going to keep it now. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I know you're on the clutch now, but here's the tool I use for checking spark. Yeah. Yeah. You could adjust the gap here. Yeah. Frankenstein's nipple clamp. I know. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, I I saw, I got this thing like 20 years ago and it works really well for, for doing that. And why does it, and that particular tool I'm looking at, it seems to have not one, but there's also a side, what's going on with the side, uh, Screw. So I, I see the, the shocker tool, man. <laughs> There's also a northbound and a southbound, but what the hell's going on with that one at 45 degrees? I have no oh, idea. What, I think that's you put that on your deck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's just so you can you can put a lead on there and clamp it off to the to ground or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that there, makes sense. yeah, that makes sense. That's super cool. Uh, yeah, but the kicking. So yeah, I like the idea of it's kicking through the clutch. Maybe um, the other thing too is. What about the uh, what what about on the uh, on the bike if if we've got the the problem here of a bike that's maybe not had good lubrication to the cam and what if we've got a real bad what if we got a real bad valve actuation on one of the cylinders because um, that's a CB350 thing as well um, you know these things suffered the oil slinger the way that they work is a centrifugal oil pump and one people forgot to change the oil or didn't change the oil and two the passageways that go from the bottom of that motor all the way to the top are really fucking tiny so it's not uncommon for these things to get starved for lubrication up at the cam what do we think if maybe we got a, a hot cam or a burned up cam and they're not he's not getting good uh compression where he should be a quick way to maybe be able to check that is to take the spark plug out take yeah. both spark plugs out shine a flashlight in a spark plug hole and then kick it over uh-huh. you should see the valves you can actually see the valves open yeah if you look really carefully through the spark plug hole right and then make sure if you if you see that your intake valve is opening but right. you don't see that exhaust valve or vice versa it'd probably be the exhaust valve is yeah. going to be the one that would burn yeah. if you don't see that opening and you can't see the edge of the valve face coming out you know coming open that could that'd be a quick way to a good one to look maybe. at yeah that's a good one also yeah. it's just a, a compression test if they have a compression tester would find that absolutely a compression the tester with that is um the compression tester doesn't work well with that because the valve will close in fact the valve both valves could be stuck closed mm-hmm. and you'll still have that's great good. compression you know what i'm saying like it doesn't check that you, you muted sleepy 
Can't hear you, Sleepy. You're muted. Unmute yourself. Yeah, my, apparently my, my keyboard died. But anyways, um, what I learned today is the human thumb pushed on a spark plug hole can handle about 100 PSI. And most bikes, <laughs> most bikes are, they have proper compression about 100 PSI. Wow. So that's, if, a, that's a good tech tip. No, it is. Really, seriously. If you can't handle the pressure, it's too low. No, exactly. No, if you can keep your, if you can, if, if you're checking the compression, you can kick or hit the starter button on your bike and you can hold your thumb on the spark plug thing without it pushing it off, your compression mm-hmm. will probably fuck. Cause my grandfather gave me a compression gauge and it was one of the old kind that just had a rubber nipple yep. on it. Not have any threads so it was kind of universal it didn't matter whether it was metric or sae or what size it was you'd literally just cram this fucker into the hole and hold on to it and uh it, it fucking worked and the thing was balls accurate despite the fact that it was completely like based on your ability to jelly this piece of rubber into this hole and hang on to it and while you're kicking or you know it, it's awkward as fuck i mean realistically if you ever tried to hold something down while you're trying to boot the bike it's not cool but it does work and it's super like sketchy as you fuck. might want to get your wife or girlfriend involved with trying to jam it in the hole you know, you exactly. she you start jamming in the hole while she kicks it. Need need to specify for the compression test. Use your thumb and nothing else. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I have a tech tip, but it's not my tech tip. It's your guys's tech tip because you're going to tell me. Okay. So when you have a new bike and you have a clutch, right? And it's not it's not a hydraulic clutch. It's just it's a um, you cable know cable activated clutch. And it stretches and stuff. What is the proper way to adjust it? Because right now I'm going through a thing where it's the, the, the thing is stretched enough where I'm trying to adjust it and I'm getting it kind of smooth. But now my action of smooth is way out on the end of the clutch lever. And I want to bring it in to make it more of a throw. Right. So what is the proper, what is the proper way of doing this? Do you go back and forth or whatever? Cause like, unfortunately I've never been good at adjusting clutches. I have to be honest. I've always fucked it up and had somebody else. So what you're saying is you want the clutch to grab in here close to the bar. Like in mid, or you want the clutch to grab out here away from the bar. I want like an inch of throw where the clutch comes in so I can make it smooth. Like, cause right now I have about a quarter inch of, of off and on. Yeah. And it's way at the end of the, it's way right. at the end of the bar. Or right. The, so right now it's adjusted. Like it should be for, uh, for me. Right. So like, I like to have these things adjusted. So there's almost no free play at the end of the lever. Almost none. Um, Different manuals will spec out like an eighth of an inch or a half an inch at the ball. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you have a Moto Guzzi with a dry clutch, you know, the big car clutches and the Moto Guzzi's and and the BMWs and stuff, they'll even spec out no free play. So the correct amount of free play is none so that as soon as you start activating it, you're, you're going to activate your travel. Okay. You're going to, you're going to move the plate. Let me ask you this. How do you, so the activation, so that's fine if it starts there. Yeah. How do I get the pull to be a little longer? You know what I'm saying? Like you can have that engage right at the end, but you want it to fully engage. I want like a half an inch, maybe a three quarters inch of pull to make it disengage and engage. Like feather it instead of just being off and on. You're saying you want the D that instead of having an engagement zone as a quarter inch, you want it to be a longer engagement zone. Well, I mean, is that possible without changing the ratio of the arm? 
I don't know. That's that's kind of what I'm asking. I mean, you'd have to put if you had a longer arm, you could have a longer throw. But if you have a short arm, you're going to have a short throw, and it's just a it's a function of the engagement of the clutch. But there has to be a way to adjust it a little bit because, like, as the cable stretch, it went from being really good to like kind of being like really kind of grabby at the end. That's so that's just the the barrel adjuster right there at the end of the perch. So you got your clutch perch right here. There's a, a barrel adjuster. There's one large cross right. gauge. Yeah. You loosen that, and you can do the thing. Right. So you're not messing with that and all that. And you'll just dial out. So you'll dial out the slot. All that does is make the outer part of the cable longer, which makes the inner part of the cable shorter, and that dials out the slop. So that's. I think he wants to dial in some slop, though. Yeah. Right. I think what he, he his is too taut. Yeah. So basically, give yourself some slop, make it a little bit loose at the end. So it's you know what I mean. So it's full you know fully engaging at about you know a half inch of, of letting it out. Yeah, we do that with all the young ladies and the guys with small dicks. Oh, but when I did that, though, it became really grabby. So, like, it would, like, I'd have the extra throw, but it would be, like, it would be, like, engage, 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 like, 90%, and then it would also be, like, and go. Yeah, and, like, exactly. I can't get rid of that. So, I can, I can adjust it to make it right, but then it's really short, right. but I can't bring it back. Is there a way to kind of bring it back so you have a little... So- Steve was onto it. So Steve was, Steve was right on it. It's all about the angle of attack of the lever itself in relationship to the perch. So as you get the angle of attack closer to the point where the uh, lever meets with the perch, like the zero degrees, mm-hmm. um, that angle of attack is going to be larger. Okay. But as you get it further away, and you get that cable end further out away from the perch and your lever is closer to the bar, the friction zone becomes much smaller. Mm. So it all has to do with the sweep of the um, arm that is the lever. If you could picture your How far lever. is fulcruming? Where the fulcrum, you know what I mean? If you make, if it's the fulcrum is real short, you're going to have a real short throw. If it's a longer right. one, you're going to have a longer throw. Well, there's there's the lever, but also it's the angle of the arm itself. Yes. If, if the arm is close to 90 degrees to where the cable's pulling, that's going to be where it's easiest. But if it's off, it's going to be harder in either direction. Yep. Hmm. Does that have a, that doesn't have adjustable levers on it or anything, does it? No, it's it, just a plain simple a, lever, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's a plain simple lever, but it, you know, it has, a, it has the typical adjustment on the bottom and the top. And I yep. figured it was a matter of playing with both of them, but I'm, I, it's, it's never been my forte. I've never been 30 a bucks, 30 bucks on Amazon. will get you a set of those uh, two finger levers or adjustable four finger levers that has a little, um, yeah, pre, pre, like a cam, yeah. little cam yeah. thing in it. Yeah. I have those on most of my bikes, but I just wanted to make sure that you couldn't just adjust it out normally. You know what I mean? Like if there wasn't. Did you change the oil in that already? No, I haven't. I'm going to do that soon because I'm at almost. Well, I mean, it just could be that you're getting to the point. It could the clutch could just be a little grabby, and when That's you change I'm your oil, yeah. it's going to go away. Change the oil, and especially on factory break-in oil, you change the oil because you do have a wet plate clutch in there. Right. Um, when you change the oil, your clutch performance is going to change dramatically. Right. Yeah. Well, I was down, yeah. I was waiting to 300 miles, and I'm like 10 short, so I I'll do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. With a Chinese bike. 
like I would say um, you should change the oil early and change the oil often just out of just um, why the fuck not? Oil's cheap. Another 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 um, um, bone to throw at the TNT, not that we need to do it, but anyways, it has an actual fucking oil filter. Right. It has a full on like like oil yeah, real oil filter. Yeah. Which none of the other little guys don't. You'd have a little no. you have a little mesh screen that's on the secondary oil thing and that's it on the other right. bike. So that's this is cool. Yeah. yeah it is it's pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, do you guys remember when I got that yellow Ducati monster? Yeah, yeah, that that all too well. Yeah, Cam, Cam's been sitting up at night just slobbering over it. Did you ever sell something and realize that you sold it too cheaply? Hmm. Oh no! Did you ever sell something and then want to be like, no, come back, fuck, no, you're having too much fun. You owe me another five hundred dollars. It's the the dude came into my shop. um, We sold the bike for thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, and we sold the bike for thirty five hundred. This guy came in, saw it, fell in love with it instantly. Went the fuck home. He gave us like twelve hundred bucks he had in his pocket disappeared came home the next came back the next day with the rest of the money bought it and fucked off and he's come into the shop now twice just smiling his whole fucking world has changed um he he is the happiest guy on the planet on a ducati monster 750 and it, it couldn't make me happier there i just seeing somebody get the motorcycle that is perfect for them and is exactly what they wanted it, it's fucking fantastic and hearts heart goes out to all those Ducati monsters because that is a bike that is always a good bike. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just a fucking good motorcycle. It's an honest motorcycle. It's It's a good looking bike. Yeah. It's not too high tech. It's, it's for Ducati. It's really remarkably approachable. That's why the scramblers are so good because they're the same basic concept, the same basic bike. Yeah. So I was pretty, pretty fucking pretty thrilled for that guy. Um, in the meantime, we have to do whatever we can to sell that goddamn Kawasaki Vulcan 1500 to my shop. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, we may have to do a raffle. We may have to hang it from a fucking overhead. I'll pole. give you 500 for it now. Anybody want to bid? 500, 500 going 500, once, 500, going twice. 550. <laughs> we got 550. 550. 500 going once. 500 going twice. I think John might. I think John might outbid himself all the way into being the new owner of the bike. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> yeah, it really. It's it's just one of those things. It's uh, it's everything I hate. Uh, it's an imposter Harley Davidson. Uh, it's Oldsmobile Burgundy. I swear to God, my entire shop is starting to lean to the right because of where it's parked. <laughs> Uh, we are using it. It's right by our front doors now on the one part of the shop where I've always been kind of paranoid about somebody breaking in and trying to steal things through those doors. I have that thing there and I have it cable locked over to another motorcycle because that can you bring up a picture of one maybe there's something we could do to it like can we tear something off of it or put (laughs) something on it i mean i don't know i don't want to make a project bike out of it but what can uh, we do to to turn up this little ugly princess turn up the heat on this thing uh yeah it's it's pretty bad i'm gonna go i'll pull up a picture while you guys can keep yourself self-stimulated uh uh but that i can do (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't think that i don't think there's anything about this bike that that is lovable yeah (laughs) you're like this thing is cool if you're like 
somebody that just hates motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look. think it's probably pretty pretty resistant to cafe scramble. Any flat tracking, it, it's completely utterly resistible to ADVing it or right. anything else. But yeah, yeah, it's fucking awful. I mean, it's just it's that is what it is. It is awful, and uh, it's not. You know, the problem I have with it is that it is just a you know it's a pretend harley davidson and that's where that's what i don't like you know the part that i i I just hate about it is that because it's a pretend harley davidson it's just i i can't you know um this is not the actual bike this bike has a bat wing fairing on it um but this is the model and this is the paint scheme so that thing what's that how much is that thing Oh, I would take $2,500 for it right now. Fuck. Wow. I'd yeah. buy that for 2500 bucks, Dude, that's a couch on wheels, man. It is a couch. Chris Smith swears there's something wrong with second gear. What? Yeah. Yeah, he took it for a ride. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, that's a, a weird uh, locking mechanism for the actual rider and the little, with, with the little, yeah. <laughs> So that is actually the backrest for the driver. It happens to be in the folded down position right now. And the one that we have doesn't have that on it, but it does have this exact paint scheme. So it's the burgundy with the champagne. Does yours have woofers though? No, this is a aftermarket batwing fairing. Okay. Uh, and ours has a traditional clear plexiglass police style fairing. Oh, I've sat on that, but yeah, yeah, that's a nice bike, man. I mean, I guess that's subjective. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's tough, and this is one of those ones. It's given me trouble because it runs fine. It starts great. It's fuel injected. It's fifteen hundred goddamn cc's. That's not me. Not yeah. me. Yeah. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> it was like it was, I just I think I think Chris Smith had a drive-by ghetto moment there, <laughs> but yeah. So I just can't I can't seem to get rid of this bike to save my ass. The uh, it's just uh, it's just a strange thing, and everything else at the shop is kind of like people are interested in it and stuff's you know happening but the uh that particular bike that one bike is just a real it's it's being a real pain in my ass so it's not like you could even ride it to a bike night or anything like that and try to unload it that way yeah it's uh the opportunity for just putting it in front of the right people has sort of gone away due to this and uh that's another thing that's a pain in the ass is that it's just you know it's it's just that kind of a thing and you know what the problem is i bought it from the only guy it appeals to which is like an 85 year old guy and uh i have not found yet the guy that it that you know that wants it i haven't i haven't found yet the guy that that thinks it's worth having or or needs to own it but i i did see a sold sign on one of the ducatis you had in there the the, we we did uh, sell the 2010 multistrada yeah Yes, we sold that. That was fantastic. That was a and, good deal too, man. And you know, it's a really nice bike. And that that's just one of those ones where you're just like, yeah, that's that that guy's gonna be happy. He's gonna be happy for a long time because he bought that bike. Yeah. And uh the weird thing was he bought it last year in like October and he hasn't come in and picked it up yet. 
Wow. Like full on paid for it and everything? Full on paid for it, everything. Like paid in full, the whole deal. And I don't know if, you know, he's an older fella, so I don't know if he's just being careful and not coming out with a Rona. But that 20, that 20 bucks a day storage, you almost own that thing back by now. You know, I don't ever charge somebody storage <laughs> if I don't mind looking at their bike. <laughs> and I don't mind looking at that bike, man. That's uh, that's a good bike to it's a good bike to have to look at every you know every day. So yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty funny. So yeah, he's a. Uh, I hope he shows up and buys the thing. I'm I need to take it out for a honk just to make sure that you know the tires are rolling right and all that shit. So. So yeah. get flat spots. Yeah, that's it. Been sitting too long in the same place. Get flat spots. So last week, uh, a bunch of us went for a ride, you know, because I had a new bike and we had a ride thing. And I think Nick learned some important lessons last week about maybe removing fuses or something in a, a vintage oh, bike. No, that was two weeks ago. Was it two weeks? Okay, two weeks ago. Sorry. Yeah, that was, that was the, the second to last ride that we did. Um, I was riding the Superhawk because that's the smallest bike I own. Um, and, uh, so riding along, uh, I was in the back because I was on the fastest bike and obviously the fastest guy goes in the back. Right. Um, so riding along and then my engine starts to sput- sputter. So I pull off to the side and of course they didn't see. So they just rode off. Uh, <laughs> we came back. We came back. You guys came back. You guys came back. Um, but I, just the first thing I checked was my main fuse, and I discovered that the fuse was blown. Right. Uh, so my first instinct was to put the two connectors together and see if it'll run. <laughs> Where the fuse used to be. Yes, exactly. Really, right? <laughs> and it ran. So we carried on. <laughs> And then and and then split off for home, and we said, "Hey, we both have trailers. If you have a problem, call us." But Nick, being the young, virile little guy he is, decided to walk seven miles home instead. Well, no, 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 we didn't even get there yet. No, no, no. There, there's there's a lot of, of story between. Oh, that's the, right. That's right. I still own breakdown. And right, we we pulled off into a restaurant. What was the name of the restaurant? I forget. McMurray's uh, or Mc. It was a a, a, a traditional German cuisine restaurant um but luckily right down the road was an auto zone so i bought a battery charger and uh so i was stealing some electricity from this restaurant to charge my battery and uh that that helped for a while it actually got to the point where i could start the bike and ride the bike as long as i was under a certain speed Okay. So we were on Route 59. I rode Route 59 west as far as I could go uh, at probably about 35, 45 miles an hour. Okay. But then there was a point where it's like, oh, I can just jump on uh, Ohio Route 8 south a little bit, get to Cuyahoga Falls, and then take back roads back to Akron. Okay. As soon as I got onto 8, going 60, 65 miles an hour, things went downhill. <laughs> so I pulled off in Cuyahoga Falls and the, the bike was not running at this point. And I, I, I looked at, at, you know, any wires that I could see and I could see that they were all melted together. <laughs> uh, so at that point I was completely fucked. So what, uh, what lesson do we learn at this point? 
No. Uh, Charger four. Do not, do not bypass the master fuse. <laughs> <laughs> so, so upon further, I, I called all the people that I knew in Cuyahoga Falls, but nobody was home. I was wondering if I, anybody had any tools, but but after looking at it, I knew if if I had tools, I still wouldn't have been able to fix it. Right. Um, now I know that the it's the actually the ignition switch wires are all melted together. The rest of the harness appears to be fine, thank God. Um, so I have some wiring to do with that. <laughs> so what's going on? So you're so typically on a Honda, right. you have two wires. You have you have your big fat wire that comes off the positive lead on your battery Ooh, and it runs down is, to your starter. Yeah, well, it, no, no, no. Actually, it is, runs from the battery good. to the solenoid. So you're talking about the small wires that come off the battery, which one is coming from your rectifier straight to the battery, and that stays connected all the time because that's just all that does is charge your battery. And then you have another one. So there's usually a red and a red white, and then so one of those batteries goes is power from the battery to the switch. And then the switch controls, you know, then then you usually come out of the switch and, I, you know, various bikes have different stuff, but usually it's a black one for your ignition yep. and then like a brown one or, or another color wire for the rest of the accessories on the bike. So when you look at your switch, you know, the, the harness coming off of the switch, what wires were burnt the most? All of them. Okay. <laughs> This, no, this is really good because I know exactly what the problem was, and it was very simple. So I, I want you all to sort of use your reasoning to skills to, to diagnose this. Well, I mean, uh, you, you don't burn wires. What for? You don't have a good ground fault short somewhere. You yep. create a heating element from your positive terminal on your battery to somewhere else on the bike went straight to ground. Yeah. Now, oh, where that a was, hell of a ground fault short. Right. So where that was is anybody's guess. It could be anything from something in your handlebar controls, you know, something shorted out there, or a little bit closer to your ignition switch. The thing Closer with Superhawks is that that's interesting is they have a metal side cover. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 That's that's the thing. And the edge is rather sharp. Yeah. Cuts yes, through anything. It is. Yeah. Yep. So you so one of your wires somehow when you had the side cover off or something, it got pinched or something there and cut through the insulation and it was grounding out on the side cover. I, I think it was the battery rattling around a little bit, sort of pressed the, the harness against the side cover. Yeah. And it sliced through there. And then once it touched one of the, and it probably, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it was at this point that Nick knew he yep. fucked up. Yeah, for real. And, but and honestly, also that's not too good. That's not too big of a deal. I mean, I don't know no. what you could probably get that switch fairly easy and, and replace that and fix that. Right? Actually, I, I already soldered new si new wires on the switch, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm okay. going to hook it up probably tomorrow and see if that works. Uh, but it, it was it you know thinking back on it, it's interesting how okay the bike would run under like 35 miles an hour that was fine, but as soon as I would go faster, it would vibrate a little bit more and wires would make contact. Yeah. You could only, only support so much spark. 
Yep. Where you're just generating more power at a higher RPM, so you were putting more heat into it because the amperage went up mm-hmm. through the wiring. Who knows? Well, I mean, you live, you learn. Yeah. So what was your actual mileage of push? So you did a seven-mile push, or was it exactly Uh, seven? I don't think it was quite seven. I think it was more like 6.4. As measured by, uh, was that GPS, or was that on a clock on the bike? GPS. GPS. After the fact, yep. I don't know. You're close to my record. I had a seven-mile push. I was only going by what is not a very accurate odometer on my speedometer on my my CS5 when I cooked it. Damn. So we're up there. We're. I I gotta say, you're in the five-mile push club. Oh yeah, definitely. Akron is a very hilly city too. Like (laughs) I was, uh, my phone was dead, uh, so I couldn't contact anybody else. Oh geez. But pushing it back, I was thinking in my head, like, okay, what what are the worst hills to get back to my house? Um, So I, I planned my route accordingly. And what sucks is we all told them, we're like, dude, we have we have trailers. Steve has a trailer. I have a trailer. We can come get you. Just call us. And then his fucking phone died. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the worst push I ever had was, uh, you know, on Route 6, Phil, where it goes down, where the, it goes down that huge dip and it comes right back up? You know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 There's like a, there's a, like a uh, growers down there or something. Like there's a, it's like a valley. Yep. Uh, it was a torrential rainstorm, and my BMW just stopped. My 59 stopped running. We were on some like poker run. I had to push it up that hill in the berm, and there was like six inches of water rushing down that hill. It was that was that was the worst. And then all the Harleys were going by me. They were just smoking cigarettes on the back in the rain. It was really kind of cool. So so here's something I'd I'd like to call a a critical. This is a critical thermal incident. Yeah. Uh, So let me tell you a little something about, about manufacturing. And uh, what you see there is a, a Vespa GTS. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that it's a Vespa GTS because steel doesn't melt real quick. And so that's a steel frame scooter. Vespas have steel frames. And that's part of the reason why it's on Fuego right now. Um, the front fender has turned into liquid. The uh, horn casting. Look at that front wheel, though. The horn casting has turned into liquid. And uh, so the liquid, the horn, the headset, the horn casting, the front fender, that's all turned into fuel. But I'll tell you, that tire is hanging in there with a remarkable sense of valor. And uh, that... uh, that's a Grameca front wheel. That's a nice cast front wheel. So uh, well done to you guys on that Grameca wheel. So this is not an this is not an uncommon phenomenon. What you're seeing in front of you, and the reason for that is. For the first couple of years that the Vespa had gone into the GTS 250, the fuel-injected version of their large-frame scooters, they had a bit of a problem, a kerfuffle, with the battery supplier. And uh, the battery in this is in the floor of the scooter between where you put your feet. 
And uh, what had happened is when they decided which battery to put in there, they had specified a very particular battery that, strangely enough, wasn't an AGM battery. It was a lead-acid battery. And that's unusual that modern scooters or modern motorcycles would have a lead-acid battery. That's the kind of battery that you have little screw tops on. You put literal, actual, you know, um, acid, electrolyte in the holes and occasionally you got to pull the battery out and look at the side of the battery and see how much uh electrolytes in there um every modern bike is using an agm battery where the electrolyte soaks into act you know absorbed glass mats and in this particular bike that was the problem when it came out um it had these wet cell batteries these old school lead acid batteries in it. and of course everybody said fuck that when the battery went bad the first thing you did was you got rid of that piece of shit battery and you went to a better ytx 12 modern absorbed glass mat battery and all your fucking problems are solved except for one and that is that inside the middle of the Vespa, remember that whole middle of that Vespa is steel. It's not plastic. It's not tubular steel. It's stamped steel. And it has some rather sharp edges inside because it is stamped steel. It's monocoque. It's built like an airplane. And you put the uh, AGM battery in there, and it's just a little bit shorter in height than the lead acid battery and what happens there is the uh the big heavy thick as your fucking thumb positive terminal kind of rubs against the metal on the frame and uh it doesn't seem like a big problem unless when you put the battery in there and you realize it's a little bit shorter vespa gives you this kick-ass plastic hold down clamp that goes on the top of the battery and you can put two nice big bolts in there and then a nice rubber trim panel that you can put your feet on and uh, when you put that in there now the battery isn't really contacting that bracket so the battery's kind of shaking around in there and the bracket's there and you screwed it down as tight as it goes but it's expecting a much taller battery and this shorter battery um, is moving all the goddamn time and because it's moving it's rubbing all the insulation off of this very very heavy positive terminal this positive cable and now there's fuses there to protect things but those fuses are downstream far way downstream they're there to protect things like the ecu and your turn signal flashers and and other shit that is about to be way less important when this thing goes thermonuclear and they do and what happens is when that big red fucking cable gets through enough of its insulation and arcs directly to the body it becomes the world's shortest duration welding set and it does and it, it turns the the rest of the wiring harness into a heat sink for a ytx 12 battery which is probably you know in the neighborhood of like 180 or 240 amps and so it becomes like a 240 amp welder right now for this wiring harness that i like to call a fuse and this fuse is going through the middle of the bike um, all your cranking amps immediately shunt. All your cranking amps immediately shunt to ground, yep. and you have uh, a heating element yep. <laughs> from from the battery to to ground. Yep, and you have a wiring harness that goes directly under your fuel tank, Ooh. and your fuel tank's made of plastic. Oh, so the heat just like that 
And so there's pictures, not not one or two pictures, but quite a few pictures of these things sitting at gas stations uh, where the guy's sitting there and he's putting gas in his Vespa and woof, and the whole thing goes up. And so uh, and they discovered the problem was that people were replacing the battery in the bike with a non-standard, non-recommended much better, totally awesome bitchin' battery, but not changing the little bucket that the battery sat in and not changing the bracket that held the battery in place. And they that just was needed causing- to shim it up a little bit. Shim it up a little bit. You know, yeah. fold up yeah. a fold up a piece of cardboard or something like that so it's, yeah. it clamps down proper. Any of those things would have achieved the mission of not burning your scooter to the ground. The problem is a lot of people or a lot of dealerships were just like, Hey, why is it that this like one or two years only has this fucking weirdo wet, you know, lead acid battery in it. Fuck that. All the new ones get these badass bitch in YTX AGM batteries. Let's just chuck one of those in there. It fits right. Yeah, it totally fits. Put it in there. And so that's what happened. And so a lot of dealerships chucked those batteries in there. And a lot of owners said, fuck, and get the lead acid battery out, get the AGM battery in there and ended up burning their fucking scooters to the ground. We had four or five of them come through the shop and the wiring harness, which is about 45 wires was melted into it like a baseball bat you could hit people with. Um, And we didn't have any that burned all the way to the ground like that picture shows, but we had a lot that melted down and replacing a wiring harness in any motorcycle is not a good day. Replacing a wiring harness in a hollow monocoque welded together Vespa is a fucking nightmare. So yeah, that's one of those ones where Nick's problem wire routing is super important. And but also also battery hold downs. Yeah, I think is equally important because I, I think that's where where my problem was is my it's the standard size battery but i didn't have the little rubber strap ah, that holds yeah. it down yeah so it was moving around so uh, super hawk it's not actually a little rubber strap it's a metal. i have it, the metal thing with a rubber insert and everything like oh. that so i could show you what that is on my super hawk and what it's supposed to be but incidentally my super hawk does not have that installed because i'm not using my electric start so i put a little 12 volt uh um, you know, exit light battery in there, and I'm just running that. But now it does make me want to go back and take the seat off and be like, you know what? Maybe I ought to put something in here to shim that battery up and try to yeah. get that that all cured a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. yeah I good. bought a I bought a Shorai uh, lithium iron battery mm-hmm. for my '64 Triumph, and it came for with various thicknesses of uh, sheets of dense closed cell foam. Right. Hey, look at that. That's a Shirai. Hey, what happened to that, Nick? Did you let all the magic smoke out of that Shirai? No. One of the cells died. Okay. Uh, so th- this is a lithium battery, and one of the cells is reading lower than any lithium charger will register, like yeah. even like a radio control charger. Right. Oh, shit. <laughs> Hey, Nick, what I have that might help you out is I have the correct multi-channel Shirai charger for that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So if you want and to might, stop by the shop and pick right, it up. Right, because there, there is a balance board in there. Yes. And so I opened it up a, because I was like, oh, I'll just replace the cell. But it's yeah. glued in there. There's not. There's, a, I think, a six-pin connector maybe that yeah. you'll have a receptacle for on that. Okay. And I've got the correct charger at the shop that has the six-pin connector for that. 
I'll try that. Yeah. It, it yeah, I was all, also looking at the um, the parts list for my um, CS5, and that battery is supposed to have a plastic cap that goes on top of the battery to keep mm-hmm. it from. There's nothing that ties it down, but that keeps it from making contact with the bottom of the seat and the frame. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. The uh, that's uh, that sort of isolating that stuff. John will remember when we first got the Royal Enfield C5s, when they came to us, they had this really big fucking monster of a lead acid battery. And, you know, straight from a rubber rubber boot that slid on top of it or something like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So they 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 had this ridiculously big 1960s style lead acid battery that drank like a liter of fucking electrolyte. Okay. So uh, and that's just what is that sulfuric acid um, yeah, yeah sulfuric acid and so we'd fill this we'd fill these things up and you'd, you'd get them and you'd leave them on the bench to let them wet down or whatever and you'd take the thing and you'd put it in the bike and it was like playing the world's most dangerous game of operation because the way they had configured their um, battery box is their battery box was made out of uh, Indian Indian steel so it was made out of Indian steel that had been chrome plated. And so every edge on it was razor sharp. Like you'd cut your fucking hands to ribbons half the time putting these things together. And so you'd have to get the battery lined up perfectly just so, and then make sure to get the rubber insulators on because when you put the chrome cover on the, the beauty cover, it would invariably hit the terminals in the battery because this decorative piece had zero tolerance and zero clearance. And half the time you'd have to smash it with your hand to get it to fit over the battery that they chose in a very Cleveland moto way of dealing with the situation. We discovered you could take the battery and flip the battery around the wrong way. And if you flip the battery around the wrong way, you could put the, the terminals in while the battery is not out of the bike and you had enough reach on the terminals that you weren't overstretching the cables because a lot of bad things happen in motorcycles when you grab the positive cable and like try to pull it more out to you um, as far as rubbing and scraping and shit. We'd figured out if you just turn the fucking batteries around backwards, hook the batteries up that way, put your battery tender leads on there and then slide them in. You had now an excess of uh, slack in your cables. No problem. And they stopped. Yeah, they stopped shorting out. We, we, we solved it. And when we told the guys at Royal Enfield about it, they, they were shocked that it worked because we said, or you could send us the right size batteries. And they decided that our way was better. At this point, why do any batteries come with those stupid little blocks that go underneath the thing instead of just having a fucking like welded in lock nut so you can tie shit into it? <laughs> like seriously. Oh, no, fucking squares. Yeah. Like why can't yeah. they just have a fucking welded in lock nut so you don't like you, whatever you're attaching to the battery? <laughs> the square nut that isn't really a nut. Uh, yeah. And yet you get a really good battery or something like we were talking about the battery tender, uh, universal lithium batteries in the Shirai. They'll have like a multi-angle connector on it. So you can come at it sideways or can come at it from the top down. And uh, some of these batteries, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. That's Nick's got it. He's holding it up. I see. So That's what was, every battery needs to fucking have. That's awesome. And the battery tender uh, lithiums have two positive terminals and two negative terminals. So you can use... Either side, right up, down. Yeah. 
So any way you put the battery in, it's going to fucking work uh, as opposed to every other battery where invariably it doesn't fit correctly or like the Royal Enfields, as you're tightening the positive terminal on your screwdriver will invariably hit the frame and you will momentarily weld the screwdriver to the motorcycle. That was going to be my tech tip is I was always going to say you put the positive terminal on first and then the ground. If you do the positive first yeah. and you ground it out, no sparky sparky. Right. Then you, you always do the negative terminal last. Yeah. The positive terminal always goes on first. Always. And then while you're when you put the positive terminal on, sock that son of a bitch down, pull the rubber boot insulator over it or whatever it is you're gonna do, put it into its destination, and then wait with that negative terminal. Once you get everything locked down, then apply the negative terminal because doing it the other way and, and the, the, re, the removal is the opposite of installation. Always take the negative terminal off first. Um, and, and that's just the idea being when you've got that negative terminal hooked up and then anything grounds out on that positive terminal. Hey, welcome to welding, dude. So, Phil, I mean, I know why you told me to do this, and I understand why. But yeah. if there was a listener listening, and you were adding an accessory pipe or something to your EFI yeah. uh, ECU-controlled motorcycle, yeah. why would you want to ground out the, the positive wire to the frame after you disconnected the battery? Yeah, so all electronic devices that have capacitors inside of them uh, – they have their batteries, dude. Uh, a capacitor, even a little tiny fucking capacitor, touch to your tongue. I'll watch. Uh, they hold power for a remarkable amount of time. And those capacitors will keep that computer chooching long after the key's turned off. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we've totally turned off that computer. And then some of them will have something akin to flash memory as well that they're going to keep some data in there for the next time you ride. So it doesn't have to acquire a bunch of data to get things running correctly when you're going from what they call the uh, open loop to the closed loop of the fuel injection cycle, which means just a factory designed parameter that is good enough to get the bike going into a, we've got a bunch of data and now we're going to make the bike run correctly or as correct as it can. That's called non-volatile memory. It's memory that, that holds even when you remove power right yeah. here look into this i'm going to erase your memory yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh yeah that that idea that non-volatile memory that nick's talking about um that's going to hold in these ecus and um so why we talk about that is if we can take the um positive terminal of the battery and we can just momentarily touch the positive terminal of the battery to any grounded part i'm sorry the positive terminal that goes to the battery off your wiring harness to any grounded part of the bike the motorbike's frame then what that's going to do is that is going to make the electricity that's hiding in that ecu go to the ground and then you'll at least that point know that you've done a purge of the electricity that's hiding inside of that electrical component. Another important thing I cannot stress enough, if you are going to weld on the frame of your motorcycle, fuck, if you're going to weld on any part of your motorcycle, isolate the ECU and isolate your ABS and your traction control system and anything you fucking have. Get that shit 
out of the system. And I don't mean you necessarily have to actually unbolt it and take it away, although that's not a bad idea. Um, get it literally unplugged and away from the electrical spinal column that is your bike's wiring harness because the amount of electricity that it takes to weld metal to metal is going to be a lightning bolt up the ass of your ECU and your uh, worst case scenario, ABS controllers and traction control devices. And those sensors are fucking everywhere. So you might think that you're like, I'm just welding something up here on the front fork or I'm welding something on the back, maybe a subframe cracked or something like that. I think you you and McGregor taught us that on Long Way Around. You did. I remember at one point his frame cracked and he took it somewhere and had him welded up and the next thing you know his ABS was up. Yeah, yeah. And and that's a good way to turn a motorcycle into a 600-pound paperweight because you're going to frag your ECU when you try to weld on your any part of your motorcycle because you're creating a circuit between the negative ground of the welder and what you're welding on. So if you take the positive battery lead and completely take it off the battery, because usually all the positives come to that thing yeah. and you take it off, is that enough? Like, if you have that completely no. battery. Absolutely not. No, because in as much as you think like, yeah, that's totally going to be great because I have removed the positive lead of my battery from the wiring harness as a whole thing. The problem is every single one of the sensors, whether it's a CAN bus bike or a regular bike, doesn't matter. But every sensor, every bulb, everything in that bike is positioned very close to something else that may be a ground. And when you take when you take a native system that's supposed to have 12 volts running through it and you do some welding on that, you're gonna jump all kinds of the shortest distance between two points. And it's uh, and every time you do that, that's a dead short to ground with thousands of volts of electricity. So, yeah, I've seen people destroy perfectly good motorcycles by trying to weld a 25 cent item onto them or like, you know, a side panel bracket or something like that. And they just forget that you've got to disconnect these things, especially if it's a high tech item like, uh, you know, uh, ABS controllers in particular. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. Just disconnect it. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't want to find out. I mean, those BMW ABS controllers, Honda ABS controllers, they're over a thousand dollars and, uh, and it will really, yeah, there he goes. John's got his, yeah. John's doing a little welding there. That's a 25,000 volt arc rate there. Yeah. Yeah. 25,000 volts happening right there, you know, and yeah, that. It's eating, it's burning through all the insulation and shit. Yeah. That sounds good. Is it is it interfering with the audio? That little wordle, I mean that's the sound you hear. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 fun with electricity right there. Yeah, gotta love that. And yeah, so it's like just one of those things. If you're gonna do any welding on your bike, just disconnect okay. everything you can fucking get to. Because you know what, if it takes you an extra ten minutes and you don't blow up a $400 component or that bullshit $5 component that you're going to have to find later on. Yeah. Oh, here we go. You do this, you take your cigarette 
I was gonna say, don't. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, man. As soon as I sounded like, hey, here we go. We have to stipulate this with don't try this at home. Yes, please don't. This is the second week in a row Johnny uh, McElfresh has given us fun with fire. But last week we thought he was dying. Remember? It was like holding on for a minute. We're like, oh, God, he caught himself on fire. <laughs> I've never had one of those chase all the way back up, but I don't want to find out about it either. <laughs> he apparently has never pissed on an electric fence and figured out that that shit. <laughs> oh, no, I have. Oh, no, I have. <laughs> I absolutely have. And I tried to touch an electric fence. I thought, oh, let's take this little piece of grass and see if I can touch an electric fence. <laughs> You're supposed to use ass. a really long piece of grass. <laughs> Not long enough. You're supposed to be holding hands with as many people as you can hold hands with. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Phil, we're... A month, wait, May, April, May, June. We're a month and a half away from supposedly mid-Ohio. What's your thoughts? Well, I'm pretty, I'm oh, pretty fucking certain we're all going to have an open weekend. <laughs> uh, they will not commit to the fact that it's not happening. They, they won't commit. And I think they're literally, right now, it's just a, right now it's just a game of like, they're waiting to see what Sturgis does or whatever. But, you know, Bandcamp admitted it's over. Um, the Denver Mile High Mayhem Rally admitted it's over. Um, so many things that are important parts of my year um, have admitted that it's, it's not going to happen. But Mid-Ohio is just clinging to the fact that it's like, oh, I don't know, like, Maybe, maybe there'll be a cure in the next month. And uh, yeah, but it is, I, I have no fucking idea why. The Lake Fury Loop is officially uh, at least probably postponed at least till August. They're, they don't want to give up, but yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand the desire of not giving up. Uh, that's fine. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are going to buy tickets and they're going to, you know, spend money on shit to like make this pilgrimage and if you are going to go ahead with it it's going to be a really really bad event because there's so many people look we have hundreds of friends that are in the restaurant and service industry and they're sitting there right now and our governor's like okay you can open tomorrow or whatever it is and they're all sitting there going fuck man you know you know, we love you guys, but I'm not willing to have all you idiots come into my restaurant and um, only be able to serve you at 25% capacity and lose my ass because I can't buy enough quantity of anything to make it profitable just so we can go through the motions of doing it and then end up getting two or two thirds of my staff sick. Well, and you know, what really sucks about that is these, these servers, the servers and all the people that work there, right? Because it's open, they can no longer apply for, yeah, they can't employment. So they have to put themselves at risk to go serve a bunch of fucking people that can't just eat at home right now and get yeah. sick. I think if I owned a restaurant like that, I'd talk to my staff and I'd say, okay, how do you guys feel? Do you want to come in? Do you want to work? Do you want to do this? And if they said, no, we don't want to do that. I would say, I'm sorry, my, uh, my restaurant can't open because we had a plumbing problem in the basement and it would be against health, you know, the health department for us to open. I had a motorcycle event at work today. Maybe I should or shouldn't talk about work, but at this point I hardly give a fuck. Uh, (laughs) We had the, so you know it, it snowed today, yeah. but for whatever reason, the the mounted officers decided to get the bikes out, 
And so, of course, you know, if you're getting so at one point, I'm working on another vehicle and I hear the bikes roll up. And I say bikes. When I say bikes, I mean seven what roll up at, at, to our door. Yeah. So the, the door opens automatically and one guy fucking rolls in. There's barely enough room to roll in. We're packed. I'm the only person working right now. Me and me and Vinny because of other a whole other bull slew of bullshit. So, you know, this guy pulls in and next thing you know, you know, in our little air like right inside the door, all these guys pour in and I've got now I went from I'm working on a car and there's two people in that car plus me plus my supervisor. Now seven other people come in and then two other guys come in and in this little space, I'm the only one wearing a fucking mask. Everybody's all fucking, you know, and this guy's like, yeah, my radio's not working. It only works when the key's on and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, so I'm in the middle of trying to change out a fucking modem in the back of a cop car, which is not simple. You know, it's a lot of fucking bullshit. And then, you know, uh, you know, so I'm trying to do this and the other thing. I go and I check his battery. There's two batteries on the bikes, one for the accessories and everything. And I'm like, right. well, this battery's cooked. He's like, yeah, I was smelling eggs whenever it was plugged in. I'm like, yeah, it has. I have a, you know, I have a little test probe thing that has an LED light and a voltmeter. When I hooked it to the battery, it wouldn't even light the LED light. It was not. It was dead. Fucking totally dead. I'm like, take this bike down to 55th Street where they work on bikes and have them fix it immediately. You shouldn't be riding it because you are you have good batteries starting the bike and everything, but it's putting a load. This battery is totally dead, and you're going to burn out your regulator and everything. So just get the fuck out of here with your whole fucking posse <laughs> and go down and get this battery changed out and then bring it back to me and we'll talk. And why the fuck did the mounted team need to take the the Harleys out today? It today. was it was fucking thirty nine degrees, miserable, cold. You're not proving anything to anyone. It's a bullshit day to be on a bike. I mean, was there a parade going on? No. Is there a fucking what the fuck? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, and you know, next time maybe give us a fucking call because we're on a fucking skeleton shift staff. Maybe, you know, like, give us a heads up, you're coming in or something like that. It was just, I'm just flabbergasted. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, not nobody wearing a mask. Like, hey, can I get a 30-amp fuse for this? It blows out every time I start the bike up. Yeah, because the back battery is, is yeah. you know, they're not smart enough to put them on, like, a solenoid hook to the dip switch on the headlights so that when you start the bike, it starts it on the battery on the front battery. And then once the bike has started and it hooks in the other battery, no, you know, they put, they just wired them to get you to, that's all I can say. So, uh, I don't think I'm telling tales out of class, but Chris Smith is looking for a new, uh, Royal Enfield C5 military. Oh, Uh, yeah. So if anybody knows of one out in uh Podcastlevania out there, uh, yeah. So we are on we're on the hunt for a C five uh military. So let us know if you've got one or you know anybody who's got a dealership that's got one sitting around or if somebody wants to uh boot one out and trade, uh let us know Steve, about it. Steve, didn't you have one of those? What happened to your old one? No, not Steve, Chris. I mean Chris. Yeah. Chris. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm here. Chris broke. What it. happened to your old C five? I don't have Where, to answer that it? question. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read me my right? You have a W, dude. 
<laughs> I mean, what, it, it broke. It broke. <laughs> it, it had a it had a critical incident on a day very much like today. It was a fucking cold ass day. I'm convinced that Chris's entire crash was based on a lack of adhesion with his tires <laughs> in the concrete due to the cold temperatures. Yeah, or or maybe some lack of mental adhesion. <laughs> it was purely tires. It's always tires, man. Tires is a big problem when the weather's real cold. Yeah, that's that's that one. That will get you every single time. Hey, can I throw another thing out there? I've been looking at the uh, the Janus two fifty. Yep. You mean the Which, Janus? Janus, yeah. Janus. Yeah. Well, what, <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect bike for you. Nah. <laughs> you have to you have to respect the story. They were guys that worked on mopeds for a long time and became the king of mopeds. And then they decided, you know what? We're going to bring out a motorcycle and we're yeah. going to call it the anus. But the guy's like, but my name starts with the J. And he's like, okay, Janice, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> No, those, I mean, I, I think those bikes look really cool. I mean, for what they are and everything, I, I don't know what the price point is or anything, but it's probably, it's kind of cool. You could buy a Harley for less than one of those. <laughs> Speaking of Chris Smith, where's our joke, man? Yeah, we started, he started kind of grim today. What the fuck? Yeah, you know, that's... Uh... Are you freeloading tonight? Yeah, pretty much. But uh, I got one for you here. Hang on. Let me get it over here. <laughs> He's like, let me Google something. Give me a second. <laughs> no, no. let, let me Google something. Well, what let I Google was, some dad jokes. <laughs> the, the one thing about the Janus uh, or Janus, uh, they are, the, you know, they're, they have the Halcyon and they have their uh, the Phoenix. They've got some very, very distinctive bikes. I like the fact that a lot of their bikes have an Earl's front suspension, front suspension system. Them, which I think is pretty badass. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've, I really do applaud those guys for coming out with a, a completely straight, clean sheet kind of build. And they do give they give their bikes a two year warranty. I mean, they they do, you know, they do back their shit up, and that's saying a lot. And it's it's a weird. I mean, it is a weird bike, but I know people that have them, and I know people that love them so uh and the guys are always stupid nice every time i meet them they're always really super cool and they're very knowledgeable about their products so you know here's to those guys man they're they're doing it they're building something they want to build it's you know a lightweight you know 265 pound bike with a 230 cc motor um you know it's a push rod motor it's not gonna set the world on fire but it's gonna be a, a little lightweight bike you can ride around your neighborhood so and, they did. and it looks cool. It and does look cool. It does look cool. And they did yeah. not partner with Cleveland Motorcycle Company, so you know. Yeah, and and they do, and they do really. I mean, they answer the phone. You, you know, every time we've talked to anybody, you know, yeah, no shit. It's a seven thousand dollar bike. It's sixty nine ninety five for you know the Phoenix, uh, which is kind of their you know their sort of entry to the game. I'll pull it up so you guys can see it real quick. The uh, and there's nothing wrong with this bike it's it looks 
you know, it looks cool. Some people are going to like it. Some people aren't. Um, it is what it is. So it's a neat thing and I got to give them credit. I mean, it's not where I'm spending my money. Um, I, I love the fact that their iconography here has a K truck with a motorcycle on the back of it. So well done. Let me ask you, what's the top like? So uh, as getting a really quality bike from you, the TNT or, you know, what, 2,800 bucks or whatever they sell right. for, um, that goes 78 miles an hour without even being broken in. Right. How does this justify eight thousand dollars? It's it's because what you're looking at here, when you kind of look at their website, you're going to see that there's a lot of blood, sweat, and beers that went into making this shit happen, and they didn't just grab a Chinese product and put a different sticker on it. So I don't think. But you mean that picture? That picture of a person welding that wasn't a, like a twelve year old Chinese kid. <laughs> yeah. um, really, what I think it is is when you try to do something like this from an American address and then you put a Chinese motor into it, uh, it's going to be real expensive, real fucking quick. Whereas a company like Benelli and Benelli is not the only one you remember that all of these guys do it. So the, you know, the, what, what do you call it? The, the Kawasaki pro 125, uh, the Grom, these are all bikes that are made in China so they can get to a price point. And really, as we've kind of been learning is China is what you want, what you pay for it to be. So if you pay for China to be fucking awesome, you're going to get fucking awesome. And if you don't and you try to be stingy, you're going to get garbage. Uh, you pay for garbage, you'll get garbage. And with China, as we found out, you got to watch them close. Um, Sleepy found that out with the Grim. Uh, you can work your way through that. Or you can take it the way it is and watch shit break. Well, being in the hobby industry for all those years, I've watched all these manufacturers take stuff to China. Mm -hmm. And it's literally like you can get a sample that's awesome. You can yeah. get a first shipment, a second and third shipment that's awesome where you send guys to China and you watch them produce it. And this is like two years of process and you're getting all these great products. Right. The moment you pull your dude like from China, that's when they substitute everything and everything goes fucking wrong. Like you have to like to, to make this stuff work. You have to budget in the fact that somebody's going to live in China and go to that, that production warehouse every single day and make sure they're doing the things that you wanted to spec. Yeah. Because as soon as somebody's not there eyeballing you, you're not going to have cast. You're going to have, you know, whatever. They're going to change something. They're going to use a cheaper metal, a cheaper melody, whatever. It's just going to fucking suck. Don't pull your dude. Here's my thing, though. I mean, when you look at your TNT 135, mm -hmm. and, and you know, and, and how everything's getting sent to China because cheap labor and et cetera, et cetera. Does your China, does that TNT 135 does that look hand built? Does that look like a Royal Enfield where you can tell that somebody physically hand welded the frame and everything like that? No, no. it does not. <laughs> it was made on a modern production line, mostly probably by robots and machines right. that there's no reason why those robots and machines couldn't be here making the same thing without the, uh, what is really, cause it's not even, you know, when you took at labor class, when you're building something, it's not that ridiculous. It's actually a fresh, it's more like when you're when you're operating a manufacturing firm it's more like energy utilities cost of materials and stuff like that the labor cost is actually a small fraction of it and and something like that the bike isn't really made that handmade where it took that much hand labor to make it maybe in the final assembly but there's no reason why something like a tnt 
couldn't be made here for a reasonable price. Well, and, and on top of that, so let's take a look at the difference between the Grim and the and the 135. So it, the Grim was not a terrible bike, and it, it's once you did a certain things, whatever is fine. But for an extra thousand bucks, the manufacturing difference between the Grim and the 135, you're getting something that exactly as you described it, John. The Grim looked like it was hand built. The welds were like some dude was like, "I'm it's a Tuesday and I'm kind of feeling okay. I'm going to do okay with this weld." Then you look at another one, and when that part got put on, the guy was fucking high, and his wife hated him and whatever. But like when you look at the TNT, it's fucking perfect. So like for a thousand dollars or whatever, uh, fourteen or fifteen hundred dollar difference, the level of, of of finish and fitment is unbelievable. You know, you're not talking about a Mercedes where you're like, "Well, I got a Chevy." Uh, cobalt for twelve thousand bucks compared to the seventy thousand dollar fucking Mercedes. You're talking the level of of of, of finish is that different for a thousand fucking dollars. Right. So like that's insane, man. Like you know, like we should definitely be able to bring that stuff back in and put people to pride. You know, it's it's a thousand dollar difference between a piece of well, not cra- a bike that needs a lot of love or something that you can ride for years and be proud of. You know what I mean? It's right. crazy. Yeah, it's it is. And it's a very it's difficult for a lot of people to understand that, that you have to kind of be a smart consumer. You've got to you've got to do about 30 percent of the work yourself. You've got to go in there and just be like, oh, well, they couldn't sell it to me if it was low quality. I hear that shit every fucking day. Like every day people say, well, you know, I'm like, why did you buy the eight hundred ninety nine dollar bike? Well, I mean, they couldn't sell it if it was bad. How bad can it be? Well, yeah, how bad can it be? Well, and more importantly, how different can each one be? Because one guy can get a great one on on Tuesday when everybody's happy and they just got a raise and everybody's bonus and everything works compared to like the day before the end of the pay period where nobody gives a fuck. There's no quality control. You know, it's just all different. So, and that's, and that's the the thing. And the lure of the low price is fucking insane. And they always say that the sting of poor quality will be there long after the joy of a low price point has been forgotten. So on the TNT there, so I, I was in the guts. I had, I had it apart. I was, I was pulling like wires through shit and stuff like that. There are no less than four quality control stickers signed. Yeah. throughout the frame and things like that next to all the bolts being marked by paint and stuff like that there are actual human being signatures on all these little things throughout the bike yeah crazy it's good qc uh <laughs> crazy uh thing did anybody pay attention to steve noble is doing this wacky uh the big ass ride or the uh tell me a little bit about that anybody got any details? yeah I, I saw that i don't know anything about it but i saw it what is, what is it? I haven't heard about this. Bring it up on Facebook, I guess. Is it a Facebook event? Yeah, it's on Facebook. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's like a preset route ride. Okay. But there's no designated designated start time. You just go to the starting point with your buddy and do the ride. Okay. Um, I'm sure there's more details to it than that, but I can't remember what it said. Is that fairly, fairly long ride? Right. It said big ass ride. So is that? I mean, is that what we're going to be doing this year? Is that going to be the the way events are being run? Is that it's just going to be like, okay, this is the route. Start here, end here, bunch of shit in between, and then go do it at your own discretion. But don't fucking gaggle up. You know, don't don't gather up, you fuckers, because you know. 
if it if it's between doing it that way or not doing it at all right. i'm all for it yeah amen bring it on and shared experience if you run across other parties you run across other parties yeah. that's fine yeah just yeah, I'm all, stay, I'm stay all space now in the parking lot you know like do what yeah. you do yeah i think oh. it's long it's called the big long one the big long one i think uh, i think mr hoffert's working on a big long one right now Okay, yeah, since Fuel Cleveland has been canceled due to the pandemic, Noble Motors... I took a nap before the podcast. <laughs> He's got it muted so we don't hear him snoring. Steve, Steve looks like the drinky bird right now. <laughs> I have to go back and watch the one where I passed out. His, his, like, Steve's yeah. head looks like he should be bobbing into a cocktail right now. <laughs> but, okay, so the, the, the big long one by Is Noble Motors... dick on his face from here? We could, yeah. Uh, since, since, Fuel Mo- since Fuel Cleveland had to be canceled due to the pandemic, Noble Motive figured we could have a big, long ride instead and still be able to keep social distance. Okay, yeah. The ride will start and end at a location to be determined in the greater Cleveland area. We'll have directions in print available for download. The ride will wind through the country and be about 200-plus miles long. And with the directions, people can cruise at their own pace, whoever they want, keep social distancing, and remain safe. Hopefully some place will open up for free food or drinks afterwards stay tuned okay cool well that's it sounds like a good time yeah, yeah it does sound like a good time that's um that's what we've been doing every weekend <laughs> exactly it was yeah. it's the exact same thing right yeah. it's the exact same system uh you know just don't loiter in one place and get the attention of anybody who's going to be a cock about it and you know that's fine and do, do your thing you know and and if you do it and you're gonna have a great time fucking ride your bike man go ride your goddamn bike he's back He's back. He's up. I see him. He's vertical. So speaking of Steve, last yeah. week on our ride, we stopped and we got to see one of his shit plants. And it was way cooler than I ever imagined. It doesn't. That was a very good time. It wow. was really cool. And like the amount, like people take for granted what it takes to get shit and piss to turn into drinking water. But we got to see the whole thing. And it's I don't take that for granted at all. Yeah, no, it's really fucking cool, it's, man. It's, 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 it's not, it does not smell bad at, at the end of the tour. Yeah, we had a we had a sip right out of the fountain. We just like scooped it in there, right in the thing, and took a swig, and it was great. But no, it was really really cool. Like, yeah, but those those, those middle parts were not that good. Is that <laughs> a little where, bit chunky? Is uh, that Steve gets his water for making his beer? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, right. He is going to make some beer there, right? Well, there's free corn. makes all of his own bourbon out of recycled corn (laughs) you're gonna mash in but the process process is really fucking cool like you like if you you know you always pass the places you see but you don't understand what's going on and when you start to see all the different processes and stuff it was really cool man i really enjoyed it it was neat could you could you if you did that steve and you did recycle pre-cycled corn you could call it um brown mash bm Uh, (laughs) brown mash liquor we've already gone through we we would say our logo would be from your ass to your glass (laughs) (laughs) it's like the coffee the peaberry coffee it's been through a monkey well this has been through a human I've had that. So I've had that Costa Rican coffee that's been through a monkey. And I was like, it, it's not, it is no better. <laughs> Speaking of monkeys, 
Steve let let Chris Smith ride his monkey, and it looked like a fucking gorilla humping a football the whole way through the whole. <laughs> Speaking so, of Chris Smith, where's the, so where's that joke, Chris? Yeah, so, I, I was I was gonna get going, but then uh, people got off on a uh, a tangent there, and I thought I'd let it all settle down. Yeah. So a a Frenchman, an Italian, an Englishman are in a pub. And the Frenchman says, I made my wife orgasm so hard last night, she floated a foot off the bed. Italian, not to be outdone, replies, I made my wife orgasm so hard last night, she floated two foot off the bed. The Englishman chimes in with, I had sex with my wife last night, and I orgasmed in 30 seconds. The Frenchman and Italian exchange confused looks. The Englishman says, afterwards, I got out of bed. I wiped my dick on the curtains, and she hit the fucking roof. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So did you guys, so you guys rode 200 miles last weekend? Was that the deal? Yeah. On your ride? Yeah. So after 200 miles, Chris Smith, do you think you're going to be doing the cannonball on a monkey? Well... Steve tells me that maybe that lowering kit that I could lower my legs one inch on each side is going to make a great big difference. One whole inch? Yeah. You would be surprised because he had that on his Africa twin. Yeah. And I liked it a lot. It was, you know, just lowering your foot pegs a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It does seem to make it, it seem to make a big difference. Now, I obviously don't know what it was like to have my foot pegs up a little bit more, right? But it it, it was really comfortable. A little bit, a little bit of extra room makes a big difference. It's insane. Yeah. I, on my NC seven hundred, I was very uncomfortable, and I got a different seat, and I was still uncomfortable. And then I got same as Steve. I got the night engineering one inch lowering pegs. Mm-hmm. Game changer. That one inch somehow like changes your knee position or something. It's amazing. It really works. Are you guys ready for a third testimonial? Because I got one. Yep. Because on my Suzuki Bandit 400, I have Buell foot pegs that are an inch lower. Yeah. And they make the world a difference. Yeah. It's crazy what one inch can do. <laughs> no. <laughs> Four times. Especially when you've only got two to begin with. <laughs> That's 50% more. <laughs> well, you know, uh, with the zero electric motorcycles, the SRS, the SRS now, the difference between the SRS and the SRF is the SRS has got foot pegs that are literally one fucking inch lower and everyone's losing their goddamn minds. The rest of the bike is the same, same frame, same everything. It's the same fucking bike. They, they made the handlebars like two inches. Oh, you muted. Hey, hold on. You're Sleepy muted me. Sorry. That, you know what happens Like yeah. when there's noise? These yeah. fucking things jump up and down. So I'm about to hit like Nick or something, and then it fucking moves. And ah. Don't you mean happening again. Yeah, blame the equipment. Jeez. Talk about that fucking inch. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's the, like that's a one-inch deal. And the one-inch deal on a $20,000 motorcycle, and everybody's like, oh, it's fucking so much better. And meanwhile, it's like a $39 part, you know? That sounds like a, a 
hot accessory to be selling this year. Oh, it's it's every single person that's come in. We just did one. The guy jumped on the bike and I was like, well, just so you know, you can take the SRF and you can put the lowering pegs on it. And yeah, the guy that bought the SRF the other day, lower pegs, higher handlebars, done. So it's it's what people clearly want. So that's nothing wrong with that. So when people come, how, how many people are coming into the shop just asking about electric bikes? A lot. It's a lot. It's 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 way more than it's ever been before. Uh, I'm kind of interested to know what the spread of new bikes that you just you know you just sold a gaggle of bikes. Yeah. I mean, what was the spread like? Well, it was, it was a a lot of zeros. So uh, you know, like we did three or four zeros fast. Wow. And uh, it's because we're getting a really good deal. We got some of these company-owned vehicles. These are the Zero uh, FXSs like Steve has. And so they're the FXSs. They had just the one battery in them. They used them in the uh, international motorcycle shows on the carpet. So no bike's ever gone over 12 miles an hour. And they've got about 300 miles on them. And what Zero's done is they put new side panels on the gas tank. And they put a new front fender on it. And uh, they'll ship it out. And so we've got a couple of them. We bought them at the right price. We're selling them at, we're, I think we're doing a thousand dollars off normal retail, but the trick is there is a 10% rebate right now or 10% tax credit on all electric motorcycles. Okay, great. So you get like an $800 tax credit. That's cool. But if you want to take that bike and make it from a 3.6 kilowatt hour battery into a 7.2 kilowatt hour battery, then you have to buy the second battery. Well, the battery comes on a 30% tax credit. So you get eight hundred dollars credit just on the fucking battery so with the bike and the battery you get a sixteen hundred dollar credit on your taxes so you're getting a brand new bike with a full warranty uh two years on the bike five years on the battery and you're getting a you know a over sixteen hundred dollar tax credit that's about seventeen hundred and eighty bucks total so and a potential audit in two years I, I have a couple questions about that because I know a couple people who have like Toyota Priuses or other electric or semi-electric vehicles that are getting hit by registration fees. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, if you have a car, there is a chance in the, your state, the state that you live in, that you may in fact have to pay a $225 registration fee because you are not paying tax on the gasoline that I'm paying tax on. On when I put gasoline in my F-150. So <laughs> since you're... Those motherfuckers, that's bullshit. Yes, wow. it's bullshit. Well, you know why they're doing that, though? They're doing yeah. it because you're using the roads, but you're just not paying the tax on, on your fuel. And that's why on a motorcycle, you're not having an impact on the roads the way you would be in a car. Right, right. That, so those, uh, those registration fees are exempt for motorcycles in many of the states where they do charge the registration fees or the increased registration fees for electric vehicles because again a lot of the money for maintenance on the roads comes from the gas tax let's face it let's face it most of the damage to the roads is from heavy trucking Absolutely. when you when you when you're over in the left-hand lane you right. can feel the difference of yeah. what, what heavy trucking has done to the road exactly. versus what's all the way over here to the left-hand side 
Yeah. Freight tears the roads up. There's no doubt about it. A fr- the freight will tear the roads up far more than a, a hybrid or an electric, uh, you know, Tesla, whatever the fuck it is. Um, you could run a million Teslas on the road and you would not get the kind of road damage that you get from one 18 wheeler running, you know, 50,000 pounds of freight down the road. So, right. so Phil, yeah. I, I just got my, I just got my um, stimulus money. I got some savings and stuff like that. What does it take for me to walk into your shop and walk out with an electric motorcycle right now? Like one with of the, the things, like Steve's. Yeah. With the, with the zero. So if you do the zero FXS right now, which is a, these uh, demo vehicles, uh, they would normally be 8,500 bucks. We're doing them for 7,500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to the 7,500 bucks, then you're going to do a tax credit on that. Um, that's a one line item tax credit. You'll get $750 as a tax credit. Um, so at the end buying. of the day, you're talking about what? 60, 68. Yeah. 6750 oh, of real money. That's remarkably cheap compared. I mean, we just talked about a Janice. Yeah. That was seven grand. Right. Right. That, that it's going to give you unspectacular performance compared to a fucking zero. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a totally it, it's a completely different market right now. It's a very very strange market right now because comparing the the electric to the gas right now is a very a real real tough thing to do at the moment. I'll be back in a second. Yep. So has has Zero talked about at all bringing out any kind of dirt bikes since Alto? Yeah. So um, right now uh, the there's you guys have seen the Tesla Quad. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a zero. So, uh, so that apparently that's the, the first big thing that they're talking about. That's a strange vehicle, you know, four wheel vehicle. Really? Yeah. That's huge. It is huge. Yeah. I that's think that's awesome. a really big deal. Yeah. So I think that partnership, I think seeing those two companies working together, I think that's really going to be fun for us. Uh, Tesla has said in many interviews, they have no interest in doing motorcycles whatsoever, but the, uh, when they apparently not, right. So uh, when they talked about the quad, the quad is, is very much uh, that's an open discussion by Sam Paschal, the CEO of zero, that that is the thing that they're working with Tesla on is for an electric and how much fun, by the way, it's going to be a fucking quad that is dead silent and has all the torque in the fucking world. Um, that sounds like a good time. Ooh, the sand isn't shit. Damn. Yeah, exactly. Just wait till they make a trike. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I do like the idea of a cyber truck. Um, Most of the trips that I do with my pickup truck for pickups and deliveries on Mondays, I come back to the shop and I've only done about 220, 230 miles. I've delivered 10 or 12 bikes, but my mile count is under 250. And so I'm kind of a good, I'm a kind of a good application for an electric vehicle. With a lot um, for, of torque? Yeah, for pickups and deliveries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a that's an interesting thing. So yeah, I might be I mean, I might be a candidate for an electric pickup truck. Uh, especially if they make it, you know, make sense. If I can use it the same way I use my F one fifty or the same way I use my tundra, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I have an off topic question. Yeah. Is Rand dead? 
<laughs> haven't seen much random thought. Uh, oh, ooh, I do have t- talking about dead and our podcast listeners who might be dead or dying. Uh, not to bring the room down. Uh, we got some Patreon messages that are kind of kind of kooky. Uh, I'll pull this one up so you guys can read it. This is off of our uh, Patreon feed. So I'll pull this one up. We have got a... So, uh, this is, uh, Michael Woods and Michael Woods, uh, apparently in Ireland has the fucking Rona. So, oh, yeah. So, uh, this is one of our, this is our podcast listener that, uh, is dealing with the Rona right now. And, uh, sure as hell you can see, uh, Michael Woods says, just found out I have the COVID and that's what you get for stopping for the police. Oh no. Oh, no. Thanks for the podcast and hello to Renee. Uh, Renee says, howdy. And do you seriously have the vid, man? Uh, he says, yeah, I got tested on Tuesday so far. Really bad flu. But, uh, the only downside was my balance is gone. So I can't turn left in my bike without wanting to fall down. Uh, luckily I can work from home and, uh, just looking forward to the testing, the new Honda R R R R R. Yeah. The pirate. Nice. Yeah, the pirate. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, n- not great for him. He sounds like he's doing well with it, but I had no fucking idea that a symptom or a side effect of the Corona would be, um, not having balance. So this thing manifests itself in many, many weird ways. So, yeah. And we don't even know, you know, that's, yeah. you know, you don't know what kind of syndromes are going to happen on down the road. Now nah, you have no idea. It's, it's totally uncharted territory. So we'll, you know, we'll just see what happens and hopefully we, we can all, you know, fucking hunker, like literally protect your goddamn self. Right. You know? So usually at this point, we'd all be talking about how we're going to ride this weekend and get together and do something and make Phil mad. Cause he has to work and we're all going to ride. But it's fucking snowing in May in Ohio. So yeah, that's bullshit. That's <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, that's some serious, yeah. serious bullshit right now. Uh, today was one of those days where I got into the, I knew it was going to be miserable. I knew it was going to be cold, but I had, you know, the, the bikes and the trucks were in the wrong spot. Everything wasn't where it wasn't supposed to be. So I was like, fuck it. I'll ride one of the bikes in and bring one of the trucks back and different, you know, shit. And I only have about a half an hour ride to work. And I got, I went out of the house this morning. I was like, fuck it. I'm taking a car i'm taking a truck uh too fucking cold uh uh, i had the i had the heated grips going on the zero coming home uh last night and it was i think it was 46 degrees by the time i pulled in my driveway and i was not wearing enough gloves even with the heated grips on maximum but let's talk about the craziness though at 5 p.m it was 70 yeah and then at 7 p.m., it was 43. It was 47. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it was it dropped like a rock. Yeah. It, it went nuts. So, yeah, it's a kooky time right now. It's, it's insane. The, uh, I, I, I just feel I have this strange feeling. I'm like, yeah, we I need to get out and do something more ride related. I've been doing a lot of individual solo riding and I've been doing every fucking test ride I can do at the shop. I I tried to take you up on a six o'clock last Saturday, but (laughs) (laughs) didn't it like fucking storm like a uh, like crazy. It was fine. 
He was he was balls deep and selling bikes. And it was after hours and he was waiting for another guy to come in. Yeah, yeah John John had made it a point to call me at like 5:45 and he's like, "Look, I know your schedule. I know what you're up against, but you said if there's a ride after 6 on a Saturday, you might be in on it." Well, we had a couple of people that that were trying to come in under the wire. And uh two rules in retail. One, don't ever stay late for anybody. Because fuck that guy. Um, invariably, you could sell eight bikes during the day. But that one guy who says, I'm on my way. I'm going to be there by six. He's going to show up at about 645 with no fucking money, no fucking credit. The best of intentions on a motorcycle. He hopes to you know, have repoed in 90 days. And there is no chance in shit he's going to buy anything. And he's going to show up at his shop with 19 generations of his family. And not a mask between them. And they're all going to want to use your bathroom. And the, uh, if I sound like a disgruntled shopkeeper, I am. And I got here for a reason. But yeah, this dude showed up and I waited. I waited for like 45 minutes after we closed. I was hungry as shit. I was burned out and tired. And this guy showed up and I was like, how many people did he fit in that fucking car? And of course, they all had to come in. And then it turned into a dick measuring contest. Well, like, oh, well, you know, you're a new rider. You've never ridden anything before. So maybe the CB500F is good for you. Or maybe the R3 is good for you. And meanwhile, he's over there looking at the R1 like, well, this is what I want. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck you, you know? So, so you're saying you should have went on the ride. Yes, exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I should have went on the ride and I should have left a picture of my finger saying, you know, everyone else got here before six o'clock. What's your problem? You know, so yeah. If they if they couldn't be have back gotten, in one hour, what's that? We'll be I'll back be, in one hour. Back in one hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the real customers are going to be there when you're open. Yeah. The guys that are going to lie to you and tell you they're going to be there in five minutes and not show up for forty five minutes, they were bullshit to begin with. So, right. You know. Well, I know for a fact that if you really want to buy a bike, you can get it done in 15 minutes at Cleveland Moto. And you don't have to even come in the store. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, we do, we've got our paperwork system down to, it's like basically just lick your hand and smash it on the paper. Or don't right now, but yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we've got things down to an extraordinarily streamlined system. And it is very funny. Steve came in and Steve came in and I was busy with a bunch of other people. So he got short shrift because that's what happens when you deal with family, right? The family always gets fucked over um, for the, for the really fine with it. I was, I looked over and I was like, you deal with that Marine. That's not buying anything. And I'm going to buy my bike. That's fine. Um, well, the Marine did buy something. Oh, so, <laughs> so you're talking about the really short guy. No, remember the guy with the Marine jacket? And oh, his, yeah, he did. Well, he turned out talking all. tales out of class. That guy was all talk and no credit. Right. So, yeah, he didn't tell me he had a bankruptcy last year. I just remember that he was like, so they won't finance a sidecar, but I want this bike. And he's like, yeah. He's like, what about a helmet? Will they finance a helmet? And I was like, I'm leaving Phil alone on this. That happened. <laughs> that, was, that was real. Oh, buying a bike. Talk to Renee. See you later. Yeah. Um, we, we had a dude. Uh, we had a dude come in the other day and he's the shortest person i ever saw that is getting enlisted into the military because when the guy came in at, at first it was like and i'm getting old so i don't judge age correctly anymore at all so like if somebody comes in my shop i can't tell whether they're like 11 or 31 
and uh, many, you know, <laughs> many like Jerry Lee Lewis had this problem too. Um, so it was really a, it was really weird. I got that right. This guy came in and I didn't know he'd enlisted in the military. He's going in the military, like in a, in a few months. Well, he's <laughs> fucked. My nephew's, my nephew's in boot camp and it's been super extended and shit because they're like in limbo. They're what? in fucking boot camp purgatory. How the fuck do you do boot camp in COVID? Uh-huh. Yeah. They put you here in fucking lock perpetual lockdown and they fucking like it's it's his boot camp turned into we don't know when you're gonna get out of here, but you're not leaving. No, you're not leaving. No. That's insane. Your property, Uncle Sam, until he decides differently. And they just made it. I just saw a, a news article. They made an announcement that they won't take you in the in the uh, military anymore if you have any COVID history. Yeah, of course not. So get the COVID, right. and you can't go in the military. But what's that going to mean? Whenever eventually seventy percent of the population has had it, right. they're going to start. That, they're going to start taking trans and gay people again. <laughs> although I totally want to fucking enlist in Space Force. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. The uh, what I think is insane is in the military, ninety nine percent of what you do is clean shit anyway. So with COVID, they're going to turn it up the extra percent. Like the military is just cleaning. It's advanced. Uh, it's all it is. It's, they're going to march march you through the fucking cattle dip every morning. It's literally it's advanced custodial skills. Like that's what military basic training is. It's picking up a rock, cleaning the rock, cleaning the bottom of the rock, and then putting the rock down again. I'm, I'm convinced they just need fucking test patients. They need fucking a petri dish to test. You know, they're just studying what happens. Yeah, I'll tell you. No, I'll that's you. Las Vegas. We'll tell you about I'll that. Test after. vaccines on them if they already had it. Yes, and that's and you know a lot of the stuff that that we had back in the '80s, they were testing that vaccines on us and then we found out later on when we got activated to go to certain duty stations whoa 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 we can't send you to this theater of operations because the inoculation or the anti nbc drug we're going to give you will interact poorly with the drug we gave you in 1988 and could fucking kill you so um every soldier has a thing called a shot card or you know it's a shot record and uh people who used to travel around the world know that you'd get a, a little stamp in your passport for your yellow fever inoculation so you could go to africa you had a yellow fever uh tag in your passport and the idea for that wasn't so like oh i've you know it's okay i can travel there i've had the yellow fever vaccination it's so if you get there and you get sick they don't give you the shit again mm-hmm. so it's they don't double down on something that could be dangerous if they give you two of it and that's why in the military we have our shot card that tells all the different inoculations that you've had since the day you joined which is about fucking 100 and then they find out what theater of operation you're going to they look at your shot card and go oh well you haven't collected these seven players on this, this you know scorecard so now stand still and we're going to 
hit you up. And I've been in the situation where we've been in a military vehicle standing there and walk down a line and they've inoculated you in each bicep with the air guns as you go down the line because you're on your way to somewhere and that particular area you're going into requires these vaccinations. Um, so the military is no stranger to having some sort of documentation that shows that you've been inoculated for a thing so you don't die or you know get killed. I think I think right now we're doing this all wrong. Like we're opening small things and stuff everywhere. I think they should have opened up the cruise ships first, and then let all these people fucking pile on there, get sick and die. Can you imagine how better the world would be without all the fucking cruise ship people walking around fucking face to face with us? They're they're still advertising the biker cruise, and the biker cruise is going on in January. You guys can buy your tickets right now. It's a cruise of nothing but bikers yeah yeah so and i'm sure the deals are fantastic let me ask you this does a dot approved headband work on a cruise ship i just wonder how they're going to do all the biker related stuff like bite the weenie and all the various different biker games on a cruise ship i mean you know what's the analog for a motorcycle when you're on a cruise ship out in the middle of you know wherever the fuck you are in the atlantic ocean I what, was the what was the uh what was the little blurb about us being number four harley davidson podcast oh yeah yeah dan, about about that? dan brought that up yeah i ran across that at random i mean it was like fm something fm.com <laughs> so there's a listing somewhere of the top harley davidson podcasts and we're number four <laughs> well you talk about harley's a lot though we do you have to admit you don't them but yeah ridiculous, man. <laughs> that's so fucking ridiculous again it is, we gotta say harley bar we can get to the number one i'm sure i think we yeah. have to do more seo we have to do more product placement of harley davidson in our operation uh fuck man like how bad is it you know how you know, how low is the bar how low is the bar of harley davidson podcasts that we're number four yeah, right. well, well how about the how about the group that's number five they gotta be scratching their head going True. what the fuck are we doing wrong well how about the group who's number three who's just barely in front of us <laughs> yeah they're, they're partying all night long there the way i look at it is we're this are chopping on our heels the way i look at it is we're this close to getting on the podium boys <laughs> I might get some shit embroidered that said top three Harley Davidson podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Top three. Top three. I, I think just saying Harley Davidson more will get us. Oh, there. that's true. Honorable yeah. mention. Honorable mention Harley Davidson podcast. Uh, Fuck Harley Davidson. <laughs> get a purple ribbon. Okay. Hey, by, hey, by the way, what do we got to do to get uh, Sleepy back on Facebook? Oh, I well, oh. I have I have fourteen more days. Fourteen more days. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Well, you're what gonna you do. What'd you do? That ought to work out perfectly because about like sixteen days ago, I snoozed you for thirty days. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that got me banned, believe it or not, was my daughter kissing me on my cheek. Oh, wow. bullshit! The AI, the AI decided that that was uh, what he, pedophilia. Mm-hmm. 
Jack. So wait, when your daughter was kissing you on the cheek, could you actually see your asshole at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. But no. you know what sucks? This is what sucks. So my birthday was last weekend, and like, uh, I only have a few. You know, I have a hundred people on Facebook, whatever. But like, seventy people said happy birthday, and I couldn't respond to it. So everybody's like, okay, fuck this guy, fuck him. He's like a dick, like whatever. So yeah, yeah. I have seven. I'll just say this, Steve. It's much easier to be friends with you in person or in Zoom world than it is to be friends with you on Facebook. Oh yeah, no, I, I yeah. love fucking push buttons. I whatever, but I'm, I'm that's no- how it is with a lot of people though. Yeah. Like, well, you know what it is. I, it, it's, I, um, I don't know. I just, I, it, it's, I don't take Facebook real like as a, an important thing, and I keep it very minimal. And most of the people I have have the same opinions, and the other guys I don't don't. And then I have Bruce. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. But you know what? I still love the guy, man. I don't care. I still love Bruce. I admire both of your tenacities. It's, yeah. it's very interesting. I love the way that both of you have been kicked off Facebook several times because of each other. Yeah, right. <laughs> so here's the thing. You know what's funny? So Facebook allows you to still personally message people, right? Even if you're right. kicked off. So we message each other all the time. He was like, yeah, that was a good one. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, fuck all, whatever. <laughs> so it's all good. Like, you know, Chrome did also get banned a bunch of times, right? Who? Johnny Chrome as well, right? Johnny Chrome, yeah. Oh, yeah, Johnny I Chrome. think Chrome is like done or something, man. I don't know. Yeah, Johnny Chrome gets banned fortnightly. Like, he's uh, Bruce is tenacious because Bruce will come back in alter ego form. So he's got like, <laughs> right, right. Thing, yeah. you know, different well, side for profiles. For the longest time, I really thought it was his wife. And so I was like, wow, man, his wife's fucking worse than Bruce, man. I was like, life's oh, on fire. fire. <laughs> <laughs> have, have any of you other guys ever been banned from Facebook? Because I have never been banned from Facebook. No, but listen, yeah. I've never been banned before. I, like, literally, like, I mean, like, I, this I, was your first time? Yeah, 100%. And it was because of my daughter. Like, there's an AI right now. Facebook is run by AI. They don't have. Blocked block your daughter, right. man. Unfriend her. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, like they're they're running Nothing by trouble. Right now. Blame the equipment. And AI. We could have posted a video of me licking your face clean, and that probably would have been fine. Oh yeah, hundred. I, I agree. I agree. I, th- I here's my theory. I think it's very, very difficult to be banned from Facebook. <laughs> not at all. Clearly <laughs> 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 <Really> not. <laughs> oh. I think Sleepy just got to the point where it was like that last straw that broke the camera. Right. Right. It had been building up for a while. They were kind of keeping an eye on him. And they're like, there's a kid involved. Fuck it. Shut him down. <laughs> you know what? I'm done. I don't even care. I, I'm done. I'm done with everything. I'm just done. I'm, now everything's positive. I'm Captain Positive. That is my new name, Captain Positive, 100%. Interesting. Oh, oh Captain, my Captain. <laughs> Interesting question for you guys. Um, so I, I may have brought this up before. Um, you know, there's Instagram. There's Twitter, right? Um, there's uh, the Snapchats. Uh, there's the Tiki Talks, the WhatsApps, um, the Facey Books. Uh, I think I hit them all, right? So uh, you know that as a small businessman, uh, you will get taught by everybody that you need to maintain a presence on all of these things. Which is impossible. Basically. I do not, okay? So, so are you on TikTok? 
What's that? Are you on TikTok? No. Oh, okay. He's uh, on Vine. <laughs> still on Vine, exactly. Um, I've got my MySpace is totally dialed in. Friendster. Uh, yeah. How about Friendster? Are you Friendster? Friendster looks great. Um, but anywho, so I do Nick the Instagram. Has no idea what Friendster is. Nick is like, I think I was two when Friendster was around. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what Friendster is. <laughs> Alt dot Friendster. The yeah. uh, so what the so I do the Facebook and I do the Instagram, but I like do the Instagram that kind of like shoots out to the Facebook with like a little, you know, handler thing. And so I do those. I don't fuck around with the Snapchat anymore. Cause I'm not nine. Um, I don't do. Oh, Rose. Oh, Phil's frozen. I don't think he does anything anymore. Oh, he's got oh shit. Oh no. The AI is watching. Wow. I have things I don't participate in. Phil, you, you got have people that are getting very, very angry at me because they're sending me messages via Instagram and I'm not responding to them quickly, quick enough. Ah, it's because your internet's lagging. Into your DMs, dude. They want to get into your DMs, man. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and and it's and it sucks because I do have a telephone number at the shop I pay money for, right? That a, a representative of my shop will pick up the telephone, or you can leave a voice message that is between you and us um, and not privy to the outside world. I also have a thing called an email account that has been in existence forever that you can reach us on. I've got all these methods of reaching us yet. I'm now I'm bombarded with apparently people can go on Yelp and ask for requests for service on Yelp and use Yelp as a communication yeah. device as well. So, That's pretty weird. As a millennial yeah. that does not like to talk on the phone, right? Only responding on Yelp is weird. Yeah. Well, and on okay. top of that, these these people that sell Yelp ads use mm-hmm. that, and they say if you don't buy an ad from us, we won't even let you know about half the things that are coming to your business. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so fucking weird, and I get this. I get this a lot, and so I get the other guy. The other day, I get this guy that was like, "I can't believe you guys." Fuck you. Fuck you all. You ignored me. I sent you nine messages on Instagram and I eventually gave up and had to call your phone number. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, you monster. Poor baby. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and they were like, and then, you know, and then when I finally did, when I finally did give up and call your phone number and get in touch with you, then, uh, and then, then I had to talk to a human being. So I do it the old-fashioned way. Yeah. I don't have Facebook. I don't have, Instagram, I don't have any social media at all. Right. But I used to ignore people. I used to ignore people's text and phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We it. know, Steve. We yeah. know. I don't care. The thing is, I don't carry my phone most of the right. time. Yeah. I, don't even, I don't even want it around me because it's irradiating me. Yeah. Well, don't we... <laughs> Can we agree that, you know, that, uh, that Napster was transient and that MySpace was transient and that Friendster was transient um, and that, you know, all these things were transient. 
And so had we established our currency, our communication currency on those platforms, it would all be worthless right now. Right. Um, yeah. So the yeah. idea of like getting heavily involved in doing a lot of communication based on Facebook messaging is pretty fucking stupid. Right. It's just a thing that you're like, oh, they're just pulling me into another channel. They're just pulling me into another channel. When how many channels a day should I actually have to check? That's a, that's a very good point um, because at the end of the day, all social media platforms all are, you know, they're always changing. Yes. Uh, but that being said, Facebook has been the largest mm-hmm. social media platform for the past several years. Oh, yeah, by far. But here's the thing. As a business owner, as long as you have a, um, um, a presence on it, at least as um, here's my shop, here's the info, please contact me at... Yeah. You don't have to do any more than that because you can't like as all these things develop as a business or you're already business, you're already busy doing your business. It's hard. Right. You don't want to hire a whole person just to handle all your social media. If you're a smaller place, right. So right. It's completely relevant just to put like, Hey, we're really busy. If you need to contact us, here's the number. And if people get mad about that, that's on them, man. That's like ridiculous at that point. Well, you know, there was a point where I would have said, don't even pick the name of your business. Until you get your your URL for your for your for your for your, uh, your website, but now I mean a lot of businesses don't even have a website; they just have a Facebook page. Like you go to Mike's Pizza in Newburgh Heights, there's not a website. You go to their Facebook thing, and that's where you can look at their menu. That's all they have. Right. So it's kind of the death of the website. Right. But the thing is, is that's okay though. If they just want to have a presence there and that's okay. And if they focus on that and everybody knows, well, Hey, they don't have a website. This is it. But if you're just a general business and you have all these things, at least if you have something like contact me here and then, you know, you leave a number or you leave an email or something and people still get mad. That's on them at that point. Like you can't, but there's, there's a disconnect though. I, I think a lot of people think that a business is just, it's Facebook page, mm-hmm. but they don't realize that there's a whole, you know, actual business involved. So here's an interesting experiment that I conducted a few months ago where I had set my phone so that I got an alert every time I get an email and I got an alert every time I get an Instagram and I got an alert every time I get a Facebook message and I got an alert every time I got a Twitter message and I got an alert, of course, every time I got voicemail at the shop. And I got an alert every time I got a normal text message. And so you had this in your pocket on vibrate and after 72,000 orgasms, what? Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's the thing is that because you have all these channels coming in at all these different times and all these channels are all doing what they just want eyeballs on their advertising. So they're going to give you, they're going to encourage the maximum amount of traffic that they can create so that you'll constantly be referring back to their site or their channel. Mm-hmm. And that's what the bullshit factor is. And because the signal to noise ratio is all fucked up. Mm-hmm. And that's where we've created this situation where it's, Oh, are you kidding me? That's so much work. If I have to click off of this app and click onto this app so that I can text you or call you or send you an email, sending you an email. God, that is a lot of fucking work, man. I'm already at Instagram looking at pictures of my friend's cat. Why the fuck do I have to go and literally go to a whole move my thumb another two inches and turn on my email? (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, see, it's a it's a generational thing too. It's like Nick was saying that he doesn't like to talk on the phone. He'd rather don't like, put that on me. No, it's not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. Not, it's not an insult. I I mean, I grew up where you were on a BBS. Okay, so nothing was instantaneous. Right. You, nope. you would leave a message. You would dial up leave a message for somebody and then like five hours later or two days later you yeah. get a response to whatever you said and you didn't expect that somebody was going to respond to you within two seconds of you leaving a message right so, so as a as a um as an old guy i look at it like i don't expect i mean i'm not i don't expect to return your thing i don't expect you to return um, uh give me a response when i say something to you right. i don't yeah. just don't expect it i got a good one um hey alexa play cleveland moto podcast for the next 12 hours couldn't find Cleveland Moto podcast for the next 12 hours. Try asking me to recommend a podcast. <laughs> so who did I get? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought it actually was yours. <laughs> Dude, that's, that is Alexa Russian roulette right there. <laughs> I didn't hear what it played. I, I have no smart devices in my house. <laughs> every time I every time I do that, it gets somebody. And yeah, it's just people off to no end. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I made one of those like the, the equivalent to the Alexa with uh, an Arduino just for shits and giggles, and it's made out of cardboard and shit. I tried it for like half an hour. Like, this is cool. And then unplugged it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy. I mean, right. it's monitoring all your shit. I mean, this is far too dangerous. All right, all right. Here's here's one. Hey Alexa, turn the fireplace off. That gets my coworkers every single fucking time. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. We'll have to see if any of our if it hit any of our podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> my wife always does. Like our our um, brother in law. Hey Alexa, go to Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> my wife likes to fuck around though and be like, "Hey Alexa, order me some dynamite or something like that." And she's like, "I'm just waiting for the fucking letters to come in." Exactly. <laughs> oh, game it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's that's it. My Alexa's only listening to Phil tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <that> right. <laughs> <laughs> for 12 I, do, hours. I do have a good voice for alexa yeah so, so before you end since yeah. apparently there's a lot of latency we have to pick one person to sing the outro that will be the that will be the best it shall always be johnny mac can i ask one can i ask one question before we go though yes I, this is i wanted to ask this before okay so i'm i'm down to my last bike that i'm repairing it's a cv354 and I pulled the, I pulled the, the, the advanced mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. So see these little tabs on the top here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have a, a new set, not a new set, but I have another set of, this one's totally rusted out. So it's, I mean, I, it would take a, a ton to, to, to fix it. But the, the other set I have, these two tabs are gone. Can right. I run it with those two tabs gone? Well, they don't, they're clearly not load bearing. They're just a locator. 
So okay, it's like the whole... But, uh, yeah, like what Phil says. So that one doesn't have a pin that locates it. Like right. there's, oh, there's a, a, pin? a lot of them have a pin that goes into the camshaft that locates oh, a, it. The pin is there and the pin is on. And the, that's where the pin went right there. And that's right why there. it failed. That's why the bike failed. Uh-huh. The pin uh, was gone. Yeah. So. Oh. So I have another set, and I have a pin, and everything's fine. But these these two little tabs, there's a uh, uh, like a cap that goes over this, and a bolt that goes through the center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a slot in it. Yeah. Ma. I don't know if I could just run it without these two things. I mean, the cap doesn't seem to have a, a timing uh, issue. I mean, it doesn't seem to affect the timing or anything. Well, don't those tabs, I mean, those tabs are just sort of folded over there to kind of hold that piece on, you know what I mean, the, to hold them together. Yeah, the Will the cap thing. hold it and keep it from moving around? I'm pretty sure it will because it's like you can see that it's like up, maybe raised like a half a millimeter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cap, I, th- I think that's just one of those things, Steve, where you're going to have to fucking throw it together and see what the fuck happens. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, remember, fine. I mean, if, if it might just the advanced mechanism not, may not work correctly. Loctite and twenty five percent more torque. But you can, but you can, Bring you can put it, to, blue. Blue put it together, blue. put it together, and all you have to do is just put it together and rev the motor once, yeah. and watch your timing. You know, put a timing light on it, and watch where your your timing marks because you know you have your forward advance marks, and just right. make sure that when you rev it above two grand, it goes to the four. It's, it's lining up with the forward advance marks and doesn't go go stupid. Right. Yeah. And then my other my other issue is do I have a four to one or I have a two and a two the two and a one two, like two two and a ones or one four to one? I mean, is there an advantage to the four to one? Yeah, the four, four into one, two. The four and the one sounds great. <laughs> it does. The four yeah, into one, the four into one. Yeah, the four. I will one. always say that four into two is better. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> four into four into one is lighter. That's. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it makes any fucking difference whatsoever. No, it, it doesn't make any difference better. at all. The, the chrome's better. Really? On the Why don't you have four and a four, you fucker? <laughs> <laughs> I wish if I had the option to put four into four on my Bandit, I totally would. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no. I mean, there's no doubt in the world that. I mean, anything the the Honda CBX uh, six into six. Is, oh yeah. Is one of those things that it is just exceptionally stupid there there's just no getting around the fact that it's it it there's no practical i'll throw a picture of it up because there's just no practical reason on the planet it exists other than the fact that it's just fucking just dope it's gorgeous though it's a giant fuck you to everybody to like, dude, this is the most six cylindered motorcycle on the planet. <laughs> um, I've got, I've got no. pipes sticking out everywhere. Everywhere. If you were cool with the hurricane with three, three into three down the right side. Well, I've got three into three down both sides. Motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, our, this- church, our church can only afford one new organ. No, I got it. It's a CBI. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you, you guys have opened a totally new rabbit 
rabbit hole because now I'm thinking of trying to build an exhaust that is four into four on the Suzuki Bandit. Right, exactly. Now you have. You know, when you look at this particular build, there, this this is my favorite CBX build of any CBX I've ever seen, the Rocket Garage one. It is just obscene. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just it just has no tribute other than the color to the original <laughs> Honda CBX. Um, it's just a fuck you of pipes. Uh, it, it really is. And, and, and that's all it's, I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, there's billions of hours of work that went into this thing and it's magic and everything else. I don't give a shit. It's just six into six. And um, if you can't, if you can't count to six, you don't deserve to appreciate this motorcycle. I think well, oh, shit. I mean, having a six to six, you can at least tell how each, each cylinder is running. You know what I mean? If you got a dead cylinder, yeah. you can, you know, it helps a little bit. Oh, and with a CB, you'll have at least two dead cylinders at any given moment because you got 24 valves and six carburetors. There's all kinds of shit that can go wrong. <laughs> what about a rotating Gatling gun exhaust? Gatling gun exhaust. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, it would, and it would only be one pipe that yeah. actually fired, but it would be timed with the crank. So that- you haven't seen that yet? It, it totally exists. I've, they, they exist, trust me. <laughs> well, I've, I've seen the Gatling gun exhaust that rotates Rotate as a as a accessory item, but I'm saying that you have a a cylinder that fires only when it's lined up. So it's like <laughs> it, like it's like an interference right. device on a machine. It's like a, so tail, like a bullet tail does tail. not run into your propeller. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So the 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 cylinder only fires when there's an exhaust pipe in front of it. And so it's like, you know, it's timed like that. But again, stupid shit I should never think about ever, um, especially in the room with three of you guys. Bad idea. Well, it's great to think about, but you have to fix the shit. That's the problem. <laughs> no, no, no. I've moved I've moved on to a new level that I only get called in for consulting work now. So, event, like, occasionally Sparky or one of the mechanics will come forward and they'll be like, hey, I got a weird thing back here. Can you come back and take a look at this and tell me how the fuck this is meant to work and i basically go back there and i go oh yeah you got to move this over here and move that there and put that there and turn that and they're like what the fuck he's a wizard i haven't seen him lift a screwdriver in six months and he came back and fixed something we've been working on for nine hours in like one second and i'm like that's the fucking secret is when you get old enough to know that weird shit Mm. and that's it i don't know it seemed like every time whenever i was working there and i had to go to you you were sweating a little bit you're like oh, yeah. fuck. oh i'm no. terrified when john comes to me and goes i don't hey man can you give me a hand on this i know i'm gonna have to make something up <laughs> total fabrication at that point total bullshit i'm just winging it jamie <laughs> well yeah no, that's a three and a half stroke motor right there. That's the way that was meant to be. <laughs> it's a wankle. Yeah, they all make that noise. <laughs> oh, I'm just sitting there I'm like, oh, he's fucking lying to me, but whatever. <laughs> it might work. It might work. I'll try it. Right. Next thing you know, it worked. And we're like, we're both scratching our heads going, shit, I, I really didn't think that was going to work, but we're going to do it. Yeah, call the customer. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> hey, could we, let's order like 400 of those and all always do it that way forever <laughs> yeah and that is and that is the name of the fucking game right there um john play us out 
Only one mic gets it at a time. Where's the button? I can't find the button. It's the fucking keyboard. It's solo. 